Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Welcome back, everyone, to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And here on the Up Your Brave show, it's all about courage, community, and connections. And this week, it's also about communication. In fact, our chosen topic this week is the power of communication. And I've got an amazing array of guests lined up. First up, we've got Irma Yeager on compassionate communication, followed by Gemma Celeste on expressing your authentic self, and then Penny Claridge on truth media and the microcosm and more. So it's amazing to have you join us again. We've been getting quite a lot of amazing feedback. I'm going to share a little bit of that with you now as we're having people text into us on 2057. And of course, you can also email in as well, inbox at realitycheck.radio. So we got a lovely message. Let's have a look here. We've got a lovely message from somebody. And and thank you, Annaline, for writing in. She says, wow, just listen to Up Your Brave and the conversation with Wynan Vainan from Family Life NZ. So, so good. Thank you, RCR, for the awesome content. So if you're listening today and you missed our episode last week on empowered relationships, we had uh, three guests. And by the way, I normally have two guests. Sometimes I'll have three. And this week, I actually have an unusual combination of three women on the show. But I wanted to make sure you knew I've got a lot of amazing men lined up for future episodes. And as always, I'm always open to suggestions and connections. If you've got someone incredible that you would love me to interview, in fact, our very first guest was a listener and a, a freedom warrior down in the South Island, and she got in touch with us. So sometimes it's people reaching out. Quite often, it's somebody that I already know. Uh, but I obviously know a lot more women than men, so definitely feel free to get in touch. Now, speaking of men and women, <laughs> we had Casey write in to us. Hey, guys, is there a dating site in New Zealand for the unjabbed people? I guess over the last three years, it has di- disrupted a lot of relationships. Have there been more breakups than usual or more or more couples living in quiet desperation? Well, I don't know about the numerics of that. I might have to ask our previous um, divorce coach who was on the show last week about the, the dating app and also about the 
numbers. I will get back to you on that. If I do find it, find out about it, um, we'll get back or maybe somebody else knows that as well. Thank you for writing in. And um, as always, thank you for listening. I wanted to send love to people because this week we're talking about the power of communication. And I wanted to dedicate this actual episode to the beautiful Julie and Cam Wilkes. We had a huge loss um, the other week. A bunch of friends and I attended the funeral for Cam. And it just reminds us of the power of communication and the power of asking for help when you need it. So dedicating this episode to Cam and um, just hoping that it empowers you to be aware, ask for help and express yourself authentically. All right, everyone, let's go to our first guest, the beautiful Irma um, from down in the South Island. Here she is. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, hello, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here, your host for the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about compassionate communication and bridging across differences. I'll be talking to the amazing Irma Jaeger, and she is over in the Motueka area in New Zealand. And I'm excited to dive into this topic now more than ever. We've really needed effective communication. So Irma, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. I'm so delighted. So delighted yes. to have you here. Yeah. Hey, for those of you that have not heard of Irma before, um, I'll give you a little bit of a, a bio here. Irma Jaeger lives cooperatively with seven households in the top of the South Island. She has a passion for food and nutrition, and her family grows about 80% of their own food, meat, veggies, nuts, fruits, honey, cheese, etc. She is a certified trainer through the Center of Nonviolent Communication and supports people from all walks of life to learn the tools of authentic, compassionate communication. She does weekend workshops, one-on-one -on -one sessions, and conflict resolution in her local community and beyond. You can find her at wellcom.net.nz. Irma, I'm so thrilled to dive into this topic. I have heard of NVC, which is nonviolent communication, but I really don't know a lot about it. So before we dive into that, though, can you please give us a little bit of your backstory? I noticed you have a little bit of an accent. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that question because, um, you know, people will probably not pick up that I'm, I was born in the Netherlands and uh, my husband and I came to New Zealand in 1995. Um, new immigrants with an open mind, open heart and we absolutely fell in love with New Zealand and, and this is now our home. Uh, sometimes people ask us like, oh, do you still go back home? But it's like, what do you mean? Like, this is home, you know? The Netherlands is a place to visit, but this is home. And um, yeah, we started off in Nelson. We uh, opened an ice cream cafe, Penguino, which is still there after, well, it's more than, it's it's almost 25 years now. Um, and uh, when we sold in 2004, we really wanted to a change of lifestyle. We realized that our children, um, by that time we had two children and one on the way, they weren't going to go to school and we were looking for a change of lifestyle. And so we ended up on a piece of land with two houses and um, quite organically that has grown into a, a community where the glue that binds us together is, is the way that we've been parenting our children um, and also, uh, the, you know, a sense of self-responsibility, taking responsibility for our food, uh, for our well-being. And, 
yeah, so that's 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 it in a nutshell. It's almost like you're a bit ahead of your time because right now, I think more than ever, people who maybe never really were into growing veggies are suddenly Googling how to grow veggies. Um, and people are really coming together in a community, really look, starting to look after each other, I think, hopefully, a little bit more than before. In your journey and that experience, what are one or two kind of life lessons or learnings that you've gained about how to have a amiable or successful cooperative living environment? Yes, well, we get asked this very often because uh, some of the people that live with us have been here for more than 15 years. So it's not like a transient community. It's really, this has become our family. Um, and, you know, it seems all quite romantic and like, oh, let's go and share a piece of land. And I've seen it happen over the last couple of years here in my area. People start with a lot of enthusiasm. And the moment they start having the same rain on their head mm -hmm. and, you know, there's something that comes up, uh, you know, things erupt. And um, so the thing I, I, I have learned is especially about expectations. Man, that was a really it was a really hard lesson because I realized that when we moved here with friends, I did have expectations of them and I hadn't really named them. They were sort of unspoken. And so I had this image that, you know, we were all going to work on the land together. And then the reality was different. And I got very upset and, and you know, I was frustrated at times. And so that was a real, yeah, a real valuable lesson for me to um, to either speak out when there's certain expectations and, and really name them and, and, and check in with people when they are new to, to join or when they're starting a group. And but mostly actually to let go of expectations. And so um, and um, yeah, it was it was hard at times. You know, there was a lot of, of sadness when 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 actually things didn't work out. Um the other thing I have learned is that communication is key. And I'm so grateful that the people we are living with, they all have an interest in taking responsibility for their own feelings and needs and having the tools to communicate from that place. So, you know, when there's something up here, it gets addressed straight away. You know, sometimes maybe five minutes later or an hour later, but there is, there's no things that are festering here because we really all value open communication. And there's this trust between us that when I'm sharing something that isn't working for me, it doesn't mean that the other is wrong. You know, this whole right and wrong thinking, which is so prevalent in the outside world, is something that I've really, I've, I've, I've veered away from it. I don't, want to, I don't want to look at the world like that anymore. What I'm doing is actually looking at my needs who might not be fulfilled at times and sharing from that place and making requests of people if maybe they can do something a bit different. So, so those are actually a, a few of the things. And I think it's also important that if you have a, a communal living, that you have, a, as I said, a shared glue. And, I, and it doesn't matter what it is. You know, for us, it's, you know, we all eat meat and we are fine when, you know, when there is a home kill on our lands. You know, then, and, and it would be harder for someone to step into our community who was really strongly vegan. And it doesn't mean that I have anything against them, but it's more like, well, you start your community and that can be your glue that you have a plant-based diet. And then as all these communities together, we, we still have so much in common and we can actually uh, thrive. And um, that's what we're hoping to do here in our, in our area is, is, is to connect with other communities of like minds. Yeah. Well, there, there's a call out there. So if you're listening and you're in a community, similar or different, you can definitely reach out and get in touch with Irma. So you mentioned, number one, I want to go back to the expectations because I think expectations is such a critical area in all types of relationships. 
Um, and I was wondering if you were going to say, you know, lower the expectations, but you said let go of expectations, which is much nicer. Um, and how has that worked? For, has everyone done similar? Because I imagine some people come in with, you know, a certain level of expectations of other people. Some people like to be very productive and work hard and other people value being present and being able to go with the flow. So different personalities, different styles of of living. Um, has that been a key is just to kind of release and allow people to be who they are? Uh, I love how you're framing that because that's exactly what I've experienced or what I've grown to really appreciate is that everyone has something to contribute. And especially when I let go of expectations, people can shine because there's not that uh, sense of a demand over them. And um, in our case, um, so my husband and I are the, the landowners. I, I do between quotation, quotation marks because mm -hmm. it's more like we're guardians of the land. So people who have joined us in the past have sometimes looked up at us. It's like, oh, they're the landlords. And, and yet we've really worked hard to actually to lower that, that and, and, and have, a, have, a, have a, a sense of equality on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, sure, we look after the rates. We look after some of the infrastructure. And people pay us some money in exchange for living here, which is way below the commercial rate. So we have a, have a way of sharing that takes away the pressure of, um, well, you have to be like this to be, to be accepted in this community. And I think it's, it's a trust that has grown uh, a very, on a very deep level. And yeah, if I if I see one of the people, you know, we share a garden with two other um, households, not not with all seven. Like we do different things with different people. If I notice that, you know, our garden is getting out of control with weeds and stuff, I mean, in the past I might have tried to blame it on someone else. Now, when I express it, it's like, gosh, you know, I notice I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I I, I bring it back to myself, and I think that's the language that we have here that we have in common. I, this is what's going on for me. And, and the moment we start with you, it's, it's mostly with that finger pointing. You don't do enough. Or you said you would. It's more like, hey, I look at the garden. I feel overwhelmed. I'm really longing for some support. You know, can we have a talk together? Like, what shall we do in the next couple of weeks? And then from that place, I notice the energy is dropping. There's an openness. And then also creativity can flow. Because if the other two people say, well, I, gosh, you know, I really don't have capacity or I have a sore arm or something. Like, okay, what else can we do? Oh, well, let's put a post on the woofing website and get some help from outside. But we don't get stuck in the strategies of like, you have to do this. And um, yeah, it brings a lot of ease into, into how we live together. Mm. I think all of us can take a note from that. And the scenario you're talking about is obviously the scenario of a garden. But it can be applied to any situation like, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed with the kids. You know, I don't know if it's just me, but I noticed. And then together in a in a marriage or in a family, but rather than saying, you know, I'm the one who, why am I always the one who has to drive them to the, the their hip hop practice or whatever? So I would love to dive more into that if you can give us in a moment a few more examples of, you know, here's what not to say or, or whatever, or mm -hmm. here is here's the best way to say you know, either some certain phrases that you know work really well. Yes. This is something I'm working on. And if you guys haven't listened to some of our past episodes, you can head over to the replays on realitycheck.radio, click replays, scroll down to Up Your Brave and check out some of our previous shows because we talk a little bit about self-leadership and staying positive in turbulent times. We have a whole bunch of topics. And Irma, today, you know, something I've been working on is leadership of myself. 
specifically around what I call empowered languaging. I don't know if you use that phrase, but being very aware of what I'm saying in my own head to myself, but also to other people in my life, be they clients or friends or my partner or my kids. Um, so I'm just an open book here. I'm ready to learn from you today. I'm really excited to share some of your wisdom, you know, beyond obviously the community and the people you work with, with our wider community on RCR. So can you, let's go there now. Let's talk about um, phrasing or or wording. If someone is feeling a little bit un unhappy or a little disgruntled about something in, in their life with somebody else in their life, what is the best like conversation starter that's going to go in a good direction instead of a bad one? Yeah. Well, I, I will I will keep that question in mind. But what I would love is just to give a little bit of a, an overview because we've used this weird nonviolent communication and you've introduced me as a, as a certified trainer. But I would actually really share with the people who are listening, like, where does that word come from, nonviolent yes. communication? And I use it sort of intermittently with compassionate communication. But, but the word nonviolent communication is something that was developed um, in the 1960s by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, he became dissatisfied with his explanations of human behavior while he was working uh, as a clinical psychologist. And he was just, he, he, he realized that then there's got to be something different. And so um, fast forward, you know, a few decades, he wrote a book called um, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And in that book, he describes both a set of, a very practical set of skills to help connect with ourselves and with others, um, and, and that's in a way that values everyone's needs. That's basically like in, in a nutshell, that's what it is about. And how I see it is that in our society, in our Western society, we are raised with the understanding that if you have what you need, I can't have what I want or what I need. There, we, we, I see it all around me. All our languaging is, allowed, is about lack. It's not about abundance. And yet when we have the tools to become aware of our needs, and, and then the capacity to also be aware of yours, we can always find strategies that work for everyone. But it's not, you know, it's not how we're raised. You know, it's the same as if, if you think you're right, then it must mean that I'm wrong. You know, we have these, these polarized views of the world. And um, with nonviolent communication, we're actually leaving all that behind. And we're really connecting first and foremost with ourselves, but then also um, with, you know, what's going on for you. Like we can become curious, like, oh, what, what is it? What's going on for you? And how can I, how can I make your life more beautiful? So, so that practical set of skills um, is something that helps us. But for me, it's more than that. And so I, I, I totally get that you, you ask this question, like, oh, what do you do if someone is disgruntled? Uh, and I can certainly, and we, we can do a few examples of that, but I'd love to share that for me, it's, it's also a consciousness. Mm. It, it's how I see the world. It's how I see humanity. And it's, it's just what I said. It's shifting away from right and wrong. And it goes to quite an extreme level. Like if I, if I hear about someone who's been stealing or a, a thief, we would label a thief. You know, I, I can build up an enemy image. And that's what we do in our, in our Western society, that we then see them as, 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 as bad and wrong and we put them in a prison. And that's it. And we dehumanize them. Whereas I'm longing for a world, and there's many NVC trainers around the world that actually work in prisons, is to see even the beauty in this man or woman. And to see that the strategy of stealing, it's a strategy for an underlying need. And the underlying need is beautiful. Always. 
And it, it's sometimes a stretch, you know, especially in those situations. But if as long as we don't see those people as real people with, with needs as well, what happens is they come out of prison and they reoffend because they haven't they haven't actually really experienced what it is. And 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 they can't really connect with the impact on someone else if they are not connected to themselves. So um so so one well, there's there's actually three basic premises of NVC, and then then we can go into a bit more of sort of um, examples. But how I see it is that we're compassionate by nature, and naturally enjoy contributing to the welfare of others when we can do so willingly, so without any sense of guilt or shame or obligation. And now, of course, if we think back over the last three years, this hasn't happened. And this is why I think so many of us have become very upset and frustrated because there wasn't, there wasn't a, an option. You know, there were demands from like a power over system on us. And I sometimes think back, like, what would it have been if our government had, had you know, had these skills and had a way somehow set up, I don't know, through the use of, of, of Internet to actually connect with the people and say, hey, what shall we do? What shall we do together to have safety? in our country. It would have been so different. But no, it would, have, it, was it would have been so different. And I love, and just coming back to that question that you mentioned earlier, imagine if we asked, well, imagine if the government asked us, but also imagine if we all asked each other, what's going on for you? And how can I make your, your life more beautiful? What an incredible question. And, and I really love and appreciate how you highlighted to us, it's not so much about what to say, what not to say. It's more about your philosophy or, you know, your the way that you view humanity and, and people. And therefore that trickles into how we treat them. And then obviously the, the words that we speak and how we speak them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so there's one other basic understanding of NVC is that we all share the same basic universal needs. And that's our point of connection. Whether you are living in the Motueka Valley or in Auckland or in New York or in Africa, how I see it is that we're all born with this basic set of needs. And of course, when we're, we're little babies, it's nourishment, it's uh, safety and security. They are on top. And for some people, that's still the same. They can barely meet those needs, those basic needs that we all know, food, water, shelter. But when, not everyone in New Zealand even has those needs met. But those of us who have, we can then go to other needs. Like for me, I have a really strong need for uh, community. Uh, also for your honesty. And I know that you have that too, Natalie. But at times, you know, something else might be on top. So it doesn't mean that we, we all have the same intensity of that need alive in each moment, but we can all relate to it. And what has really been, for me, so obvious is these last three years, is like the people that were choosing to get the vaccine and the people that were choosing to not get the, the jab. When I look back to the needs, I think both of us had needs for health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Like we share the same need underneath, but we chose different strategies. So, so if we become aware of it, it's at, a, at, that, at that level of strategies that we have the conflict. That's where we have the separation. And that's where we like, if you have what you have, then I can't have mine. But then I'm going into it like, yeah, but where can we find strategies that meet all our needs? And I, I, I've, I've seen it. It's magic. Once we become aware of our needs, we find ways that work for everyone. But it's not in the interest of, the, you know, the power over system because it's, it's a lot easier to control people when they're divided. 
And I'm, I'm so committed. And that's why I wanted to be here today. I'm so committed to weave our communities back together. I don't want to be in these trenches anymore. It's like we've been in a war, you know, and you were in a trench on both sides. It's like, wow, how did that happen? And I want to climb out and I want to make a bridge. And I want to climb out and make a bridge. And I also don't want us to quickly run back to the trenches if something else happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's, a, that's a, what I'm hearing is that you really would like this, that this, this has been such an, an intense period and that you're really longing that we, that we actually learn from this. Mm, that's and right. That not just that. Yeah. Not that just, let's just move on, but let's yeah. learn because look how easily things happened and how people suddenly, you know, the daub in your neighbor mentalities that how easily people adopted that or adapted to that. And it's like, let's not jump back in the trenches. Yeah. Yes, and, and for that, I think we need to have conversations. We, we need to, and what my sense is, is that um, the people that have gone along with most of the, the you know, what's been offered by the, by the government these last few years, they are like, well, can we just carry on? Can we just forget about it and move on? And I've recently had some conversations with people that had that experience. And when they realized that for me, that I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to move on, but I don't want to do it too quickly because I'm worried that I'm actually leaving behind some kind of trauma that's not dealt with. Mm -hmm. So I actually want to be, I, I long to be heard. And so I've started these conversations with people. And, and I see that, you know, recently someone was in tears when they, they realized, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, it was all good what the government did. But then when they listened to my experience, there were tears. And then there was a big hug. And, the one, and then for me, that's where the healing happens. And then it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm a little bit step closer to being able to move on. Um, yes, and, and, and hopefully by doing that and, and for sharing our impacts on us in a way that people can hear it, hey? because it's very tempting to, to label the other side as well and say, oh, you were you know, slaves or sheep or all that. that that's not when we can be heard. You know? we, we, need, we need something different. I think that in the something different comes from something you said, which is we, we just chose a different strategy. And that kind of makes me drop my shoulders a little bit like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good point. We did choose because in my life, we, we definitely chose different strategies in my own household and it was tough. Um, so the, just, just hearing you say that is like, oh yeah, we did choose. We both wanted the same thing. We both wanted wellness for our children and ourselves. And we just have different takes on what that looks like yeah yeah and what a difference that is hey if we can you know I, I, when you said like dropping your shoulders is a bit like you can lower your guard a little bit because all of a sudden you can see each other's humanity and and the moment we step back into trying to come up with facts and opinions it's often where we disconnect and i i mean i do love a good discussion absolutely do but I've noticed over the last three years that it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible to do that and keeping the connection. And so for me, like, yes, I, I love a good discussion, but not at the cost of my relationship. So this, this is when I then would back off and actually start more checking in like, hey. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, um, for people that are listening and saying, yeah, but how do I start these conversations? It's to become, come in with a, in a space of really not wanting to be talking about opinions and but asking more on the levels of like you know you know what are you feeling and needing 
what you know how how was it for you and um you know or even when you think about these last three years like what comes up for you and so you're completely moving away from from opinions and thoughts and comparisons and judgments and another thing that i read i like is like asking people like you know do you have any mourning about how you have responded because i actually think there's a lot of people in new zealand that might actually feel ashamed or guilty like some some kind of guilt of the way they've treated others and yet they don't have quite have the courage to say hey irma i called you a conspiracy theorist and when i think back of that i i feel just appalled at my own you know why i did that because i didn't see you for who you are for me that would be like thank you i i don't need a sorry Mm. I don't need like, oh, that, that I would love to just that acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you're not seeking or waiting for an apology as such, but it's the acknowledgement. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm aware that I can, sometimes you can wait till forever to get an acknowledge from someone specifically and it will not happen. And that's where I then go, oh yeah, when, when I want it from someone specifically, it becomes another strategy. You have to tell me that you regret what you did. And I try to find my acknowledgement in a, in a broader sense. And this is why, you know, uh, connecting with people that have had a similar experience or, you know, even, even doing this with you now, for me, this, this, this helps me for my healing and my sense of acknowledgement around my choices. So I don't want to get stuck on this person needs to. Mm -hmm. And know, because that's that. coming back to expectation, is it not? Yeah. 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 It is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, uh, another thing that I, I, I know that when we hear about communication, we so often think about how I communicate with someone else. Um, but I would like to take it a step back and it's about, it actually starts with my own self-talk. What am I telling myself? What stories do I have about myself? And so it's the internal voice that is telling me that, oh, I, I talk too much, I talk too fast, I, I'm not a good mother, like, I don't know. I mean, people, I really invite people actually to write some of these, these things down, like, what, what are your beliefs about yourself? And, um, and when I can shift from that to translate that judgment. So, for example, I'm just, it's just, I'm just making this up when I say, oh, I talk too much. Um, I go like, oh, yeah, so that's a quite a harsh inner critic. But when I have a little moment, I go like, okay, so, so when I think back to this radio interview with Ned, and I realize I was talking 95% of the time, so I'm making an observation. That's already quite different from I talk too much. I'm bringing it back to the fact. And I, make, I try to make a real guess, like, yeah, I was talking 95% of the time. And then I check in. Then the next step in that model is actually what am I feeling? Hmm. I yeah, notice I'm feeling um, a bit insecure. I'm feeling um, uh, sad, you know, or I'm, you know, so, so I'm, I'm actually checking in like what, what's going on. So you can see I've completely stepped away from my own judgment. I'm actually going inward and say, oh, this is what's going on. And then, you know, I'm, I'm aware that I'm making this up, but, you know, my need would be probably around uh, inclusion. You know, if I take if I talk 95% of the time and you speak only 5%, and if this was not in an interview situation, I, I, I'm, I'm sad because I didn't actually fulfill that need for inclusion. 
for us, for both of us. Um, and I might also be, have, be, have a need for um, shared reality. You know, I'd love to hear from you. So, so I'm, I'm able to shift. And, and this is basically the, the model of NVC is that you start with an observation and then you check in with your feelings and your needs. And then you come to a request. Yeah. I'd love to ask our audience, if you're listening to us live or you're listening to us later, what is coming up for you in terms of that internal dialogue that Irma mentioned? Some people will be, I talk too much. Some people will be like, oh, I probably should talk more. You know, they do the opposite <clears throat> or various other observations or judgments on yourself. It's interesting. So I just came today from my business networking club that I run at the beach, which is so amazing. And today we were actually inside at the cafe because the weather was not fabulous. Um, but it's interesting, you know, now and then over the years, I have heard many people say, oh, I talk too much. And then they keep talking. And for some people, they're either they just need to be heard because they don't have a lot of opportunity where people will just listen or give them that attention. So they're really enjoying it and they're feeling comfortable enough to, to be authentic and to share, which I love creating that type of environment. But I find for some other people, it's they're uncomfortable with the silence and they feel like if no one answers, they have to just kind of keep going. And with mm -hmm. you today, I'm loving your wisdom. So I'm just letting you go. Um, but is that something to be aware of is, is the discomfort around silence and people mm -hmm. filling that void? Yeah. And so that's, again, it's like, you know, when, when, like when you're telling yourself you're talking too much and you're connected to your needs of inclusion, and then you notice that you want to start talking again, it's again, back like, gosh, you know, I notice I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling nervous. And, and probably it's around, uh, you know, a, a need for reassurance that, you know, that in that space or maybe trust something around trust that a silence is actually you know, it's something actually that we can grow to and learn to love and appreciate. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it, it always comes back to that place of like, what is it that I'm needing? And it changes all the time. You know, what I said, those needs, they, 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 they pop up and then, then, then another one pops up. You know, if I haven't eaten for six hours, my need for food goes right on top. <laughs> but then once that is fulfilled, that need, then something else goes up and I might have a need for connection. And um, the other thing what I'd like to say was, is about, you know, the need to be heard. It's a beautiful universal need. And, and some people find it hard when they use that word need because they think, oh, I'm being needy. You know, it's, it's, it's how it's used in our language. So I also like to rephrase it to like it's a longing, mm. really long to be heard. That sounds quite different for me. Same. I do a lot of work in the area of human design and we use the phrase, what do you desire? And we even mm. use it like, do I desire to eat a hamburger or do I desire a salad? But we use the phrase desire, which is different from want and different from need. It has a different energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and what I see in our society is that some people, they, yeah, they speak way more than others. And I'm still wondering if their need to be heard is met. So I, when I, when I am with friends and especially friends where there's this real yummy trust between us and, and I notice that my friends is, just keeps going on, I, I would say, Hey, can we have a pause? Cause I, I would like to, to keep connected. And I notice that I'm actually going into my own space because I'm, I'm a bit overwhelmed with the amount of, of words. And, and what I also do then is bring in a reflection. Oh, can we just have a pause? And I just want to capture that. Like, 
And then I, I sort of say in my own words what I've just heard. And that's when they really have a sense of being heard. Mm. Because going one way, I mean, it helps that, I'm, you know, the listeners are not seeing you, but I'm looking at your face. I have a sense that you're really present. But I'm very aware of when I'm speaking. Like when I see someone look at their watch or, or looking at the sky, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm guessing that there is not the connection that I'm actually longing for. So I take responsibility. And I, and I take a pause and say, hey, how was this for you to listen to me for five minutes? And then I really want to create space. Yeah. And I, so, I, it's interesting because while I find some people do want to be heard, you know, other people maybe they they're not they're not speaking their truth like they're not saying what they want they're holding back they're editing mm. um they're self-editing or they're they're nervous about what the person might think and so there's a lot of background noise in that one as well yeah yeah and i can't be responsible for that but if i have a sense that that's what's going on i i might make a guess you know so are you a bit nervous to speak out and 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 Again, there's that magic of, of a real human trying to, 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 from the heart, make a guess. It's like, are you feeling nervous? Like, you know, have you experienced in the past that when you're speaking your truth that you're, you know, that you, you, you're met with some very strong uh, uh, judgments? And so they might need some reassurance that they actually really can speak freely. Yeah. In one of our previous shows, we talk about, you know, relationships and communication and um, one of our previous interviews. And obviously this nonviolent communication, or as you call it, compassionate communication, I imagine it can be a game changer in terms of the shifting the, not just the dynamic in a relationship, but the energy in a relationship. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, have I, you yeah. seen like marriages, you know, recovered or even sibling rivalry shift, you know, just through using some of these techniques? Yes, so I uh, one one of the things I offer is conflict resolution or mediation uh, based on NVC principles. So it's not about you know the the conflict resolution where every both parties come with demands and then you meet somewhere in the middle, and 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 what you what you get then is a compromise, mm -hmm. and a compromise is where we both share the pain equally. So we're both actually equally still upset because neither of us have had what we wanted. But we're, we're, we're coming. And, and that's, again, it's in this, in this Western society. That's what, what we do. That's what mediators do. And, and, and you ask more because you know you're not going to get it all. So the NVC-based approach and, uh, is, is about conflict resolution is that to actually bring up the needs in the, in the two different parties. And, yeah, I've had couples in my room where they come in. They don't even look at each other. They're not talking to each other. They're not looking at each other. And they are at, you know, completely at a loss. Like, how do we because they need to make arrangements about kits or whatever. And, and for me, yeah, there's, a, there's a, a model that I use where I'm just really listening and, and harvesting the needs. And so often it's to be heard, to be acknowledged. And so then I get people to, to say it back to each other, but in the beginning they talk to me. And then, you know, after an hour, the first time they look at each other, that's when I have tingling and goosebumps all over. And I said that this is why I do this. And actually, I, I'm doing it for the parents, but actually, I'm doing it for the kids. Mm. Yeah. So, I, I absolute magic, and it's it. Yeah, there needs to be a willingness for people to be vulnerable, especially if you have enemy images of each other. You know, enemy images are static judgments. Like if I see someone throw away some kind of rubbish, I have an instant judgment, but that's fleeting. 
you know, changes. But an enemy image, and I can tell you, I've, I've got some very strong enemy images still from our politicians. It's hard to shift them because I, I don't have an opportunity to connect with them. So they, they are for me the hardest ones. But if I have enemy images within my circle of friends or family, I really want to shift it, mostly for myself. Because it's, it's, it's a very unpleasant experience that every time they say or do something, I'm adding it to my pile of judgments. But it's, 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 it's sort of in my tummy. It's, it feels yak. So uh, to become aware of those enemy images, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it takes work. It's work. That is a phrase I've never heard before. Um, and I love that. I love when I learn something new like that. And it does, as I say, pass the eyebrow test. It makes me go oh, lean in and go raise my eyebrows and tell me more. So is that something I imagine it's something that we all have? We just never called it that. Um, yeah. How do we shift that? If we mm-hmm. if we can if we can at least acknowledge that we have that with one or two or more people in our lives and we go, well, this makes me feel yuck. I don't really want to be labeling them or, or adding to the pile of rubbish as such. How do we shift that? How do we let it, let that go? Yeah, well, so so this is, is this is the work and this is the process of of for me NVC where NVC really has helped me and I see many others is to really go back to the observation and so so when something happens in the moment and they they you know uh, a friend is doing something and it's adding to that judgment that was already there is to bring it back to the observation and an observation it it seems like oh that's easy. But, you know, a wise man Krishnamurti says, you know, to observe without judgment is the highest form of human intelligence. It is. It's so hard. It's so hard to make make an actual observation. And yet when I can do that, then I can separate what's mine and what actually happened. And then I can start getting in touch. It's like, what, what are the feelings coming up? Like maybe annoyed, angry, frustrated, but very often underneath it's something else. Maybe, maybe sometimes feeling lonely or, or um, you know, vulnerable or overwhelmed. And, and then when I'm making that shift, you know, I, that I notice a softening in me and, and it's no longer about that person. It's not about then saying, oh, yeah, no, he or she can just do whatever they want. No, I want to get to a place where I can actually communicate with them. But I need to do the inner work first because if I try to communicate from that enemy image, I just might as well just give up. Because people will go into defense. You know, you say one thing and there's this big defense coming up. It's so so interesting. It is bringing up a few things for me that I would just want to piggyback onto is you talked about conflict resolution versus compromise. And for me, over the past few years, you know, having gone head to head with a significant other and so many people said, can't you guys just agree to disagree? Mm -hmm. You know, and can't you guys just just kind of compromise and move on? And, and and that was hard to do. And then it's sometimes, then I kind of tried this approach where it was like, okay, Nat, everyone's on their own journey. Like everyone, you know, everyone's, you know, don't try to change someone. So I tried to do that approach, which is just allow them to be who they are. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep it, falling back into that yeah. enemy thing. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. And I'm not saying this is easy. And yet I think the, the awareness is already a huge step towards at least being able to see your other half as a human and not see them as, a, as an enemy who's trying to get you and trying to put you down or whatever. It's, it's just moving to that place where we can both see our humanity and um, 
and seeing that, you know, what he is doing is also trying to fulfill his needs in, in his particular way, as long as it's not in conflict with, you know, the strategy that you're choosing. And this, this is, again, back to that principle, which is another core principle of NVC, is to have power with people. Like the moment I have power over someone, I, I'm using my authority to, to get people to, to follow orders, basically. And, and that's where I'm very strong. So nonviolent communication is not about being nice. It's not about being polite. It's about radical honesty, but with care for the other. And of course, it needs someone on the other side that's also willing to be radically honest with care. And, and that's where we can make the shift. And so when, when we're talking about conflict resolution, yeah, instead of compromise, I'm looking for a shift in both people. But a, a, an actual shift because they both, you know, they're both realizing that it, it's causing a lot of um, distress in me to have an enemy image of someone else. And so it, just even for me, I want to shift it. I want to shift it. Like, you know, if I had an enemy image about Jacinda Ardern, do you think she cares? Do you think it has anything, any, any impact on her? No, but who is impacted by it? It's me. Yes. You know, I, 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 my health suffers, like my everything, my life, my, my, my joy. And I, I don't want to give away my power like that. And so this is where I, I, I want to bring it back to myself because I, you know, that's another a, a universal need is power in my world. It's it's beautiful, and I I it's it's really strong for me. I want to have power in my world, but if I'm giving away my power to someone else because you know I see them as an enemy image and and I think they have power over me, I'm not looking after my needs. I love how so much of what you're saying, it just links so nicely into a lot of the topics we've covered over the past few weeks. So once again, you guys check out the replays. Like we talked one week about owning your power. We talked about self-leadership and I love how these themes keep coming up and they're all interrelated. And I feel like now more than ever as a society and now more than ever in many, many households across New Zealand, not is the time for embracing some of these strategies or techniques with the nonviolent communication, compassionate communication. We do need to be, or I, or I could say need, ready. I'm ready to be more compassionate with my communication. I can be pretty opinionated. Let's be, let's be honest. Um, and I think that your emphasis around shifting away from opinion and moving more into you know, what's needs and like what's going on for you and how can I make your life more beautiful? I'm going to take that on board. Mm. Cool. And I think we could talk for another whole weekend together. Like there's so much to this. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, we indeed we could. So I would love to ask you a few questions that I ask all of my guests. My first one is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved or navigated in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Mm. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm part of the Rural uh, Volunteer Fire Brigade here in the Valley. And because of my choices, uh, even as a volunteer, I was mandated. And it was really hard. It was, you know, because from our place, we can hear the siren go. And when the siren goes, we were not allowed to go. I'm saying we because my daughter was also mandated. And she was 17 at the time. And so that was really hard. And, and it, you know, part of me just wanted to throw it away. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going back. 
So after seven months, we, we, we got the invitation like, oh, yeah, you're back. It's, it, it's almost like in my old life, I would have just gone, no, I'm not coming back. You know, like you've done this to me, mm -hmm. I'm not coming back. And yeah, it was really hard to step back into that team. Um, if it wasn't for some of them that had been absolutely dismayed, uh, including our chief, you know, they really, they really didn't like the strategies. They, they, they were very upset that we couldn't be there. Um, it was hard to walk back in. And I am grateful that I'm connected to choice, that I'm really like another thing, like a need for choice is, is it's huge. And we all have that and that I could connect. Like I don't have to go back. But I want to go back. Mm. Why do I want to go back? Because my need for community and support. And also I love being part of a group of people that are so different from me, like that diversity. You know, I, I get to hang out with guys that I normally wouldn't, they wouldn't maybe be my friends, but you know, we have this common purpose. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a challenge to step back into it. And now we've been back for quite a few months and, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy we did because I, yeah, I got over myself. Exactly. It's almost like your desire for those things you mentioned, connection, community, diversity was greater than the ego pull of yeah. like, no, like folding your arms. <laughs> I'm not going back. You know, you see what you did to me. You can yeah. live without me. It's so easy to fall into that. Um, but obviously your your desire was greater and you made that empowered choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you for reflecting that back. I notice I have goosebumps when I when I hear you reflect back what mm. I just said. And I love it. It's a it's a it's a wonderful example, which you come it comes quite naturally for you, it seems like. <laughs> um to just sort of reflect back what you've just heard. And that's that's there's so much power in that. And I wish that you know people would have that skill even more. It's like, oh, is this what was going on for you? Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, yes. And, and so there's that sense of acknowledgement, maybe not by some other people, but I'm 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 fulfilling that need right now. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's a little invitation for anyone listening is you don't have to be a radio host, right? But you can interview in a way, right? You can, it's more than just talking to someone or chatting or having a discussion. You can actually dig a little deeper than you normally would. People do crave that that deeper level of conversation rather than just the surfacey stuff. And and the reflecting back, thank you for acknowledging that is so powerful. And the other thing is your story, Irma, of being mandated and then having the, I would say, courage, you know, to go back in and to be able to to move forward with these people and not hold grudges is a very common story. It's not always the fire brigade, but for a lot of people in their workplace or their, at, maybe they worked at a cafe or or in a corporate workspace or whatever, hospital, et cetera. I mean, it's tragically very, very common. And some people, you know, I guess were hopefully welcome back with open arms and other people, it might've been really quite awkward. Um, I, when I talked to Pat Armistead a few weeks back, we talked about rehumanizing the workplace. And that is what we're doing. We're rehumanizing the workplaces and the community spaces and coming together again. So I think some of a lot of the strategies you've shared with us today around NVC will be helpful. Mm -hmm. My second question is about bucket list. Uh, I have this, this um, section of my show called the bucket list busters. What is one thing on your bucket list that possibly the, the up your brave community can help you with? Well, I have this dream that every village, every town in New Zealand has someone with these communication skills. And you don't need to be a certified trainer. Like any anyone that has 
has a, a, a desire to bring people together and to support people listening, because that's often what it is, like conflict resolution or mediation. It sounds really big and you need to be trained, but actually all it is, and we do it all the time as parents, you know, when there's two siblings that are not quite finding their way is we, we try to support listening. And I really wish that this was something that would be taught in schools and that every small little community would have people that people can turn to when things are a bit rough and someone that can hold space. And um, yeah, and this is why I guess I, I keep sharing NVC because I think that's one of the tools that can support this and to give people the confidence that, you know, you, you, you can do this. And you, in fact, you're doing this all the time, but you can step up a little bit maybe and say, hey, when I'm noticing that two neighbors are fighting and I'm the third neighbor, it's like, hey, shall we sit together? And can, can we just, you know, maybe support some, some presence? And I wish that that would become natural. I think is you're that, right. Is that okay to have it on a bucket list? I mean, I mean, I yeah. can say I want to do a skydive or a bungee jump, but I, I know this, this is more meaningful to me. Yes, of course, because it's had such a massive impact, not only in your community where you live in the in the cooperative community, but all the people you've worked with, you've seen everything over the years. I know you're one of, I think it is 11 in New Zealand that are certified trainers, but you're saying we can all use these skills. And to be the neighbor that has the the courage or the confidence or the humility to say, hey, would it be helpful if I help, you know, facilitated a bit of a conversation here? Because sometimes we can't do it on our own. We're a little bit too close. Yeah. It's a little bit too emotive. <laughs> yes. Definitely. That's a great thing to ask. So there you go. So if anyone um, is interested in nonviolent communication and wants to learn those skills a bit more, this leads me so nicely to my next question, which is what's coming up for you? How can people connect you or find you or follow you online if they want to learn more about this? Mm. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that. So I'm, I'm based in the top of the South and I love doing in-person, like face-to-face -face, uh, workshops. So I have a, a beginner's intermediate workshop coming up uh, at the end of May, the 20th and 21st of May in, in Nelson in the city. Um, but I also would love to, 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 for people to find other trainers around New Zealand. So we have a website, nvc.org.nz, which is where not just the certified trainers, but anyone who's offering NVC and has has got some some a bit of experience and has had some support from other trainers. Um, they are listed on that website, and so from the Neden to the far north, there is people like mm -hmm. me that have this uh, shared passion and a similar understanding. Uh, and then yeah, people can find me on my website well welcome.net.nz. So it's can you well spell that? Yeah, yeah, W E L L well. And com is from communication, comm.net.nz. Um, and it's something because we haven't even talked about it, but I have a huge passion for uh, food and nutrition and I work as a health coach and I, I bring the communication and, and the self-talk around food together um, and support people to make changes in their lifestyle and diet. And so on that website, you can send me a message. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I sometimes write blogs when I'm inspired. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would love to hear from some people. I think this is great. I think this conversation today will have sparked some ideas for some people and also kind of reminded us the importance of communicating with compassion. Um, and also for other people, it might have been the fact that you live on this co-op and, and doing the veggie gardening, and it might have even re-inspired some people to kind of 
uh, pun intended, you know, dig deeper into that area of their life. Um, Before we wrap things up, is there anything else, Irma, that you wanted to share with our audience today? Yeah, what's really important for me is that, you know, even just a slight, tiny little bit of awareness is, is celebrated. So because sometimes I have a sense that people go like, oh, you know, oh, that's not NVC. And they start sort of being really harsh to themselves. I, I would I, I would like to look at it like, you know, gosh, you know, you're, you're aware of this and 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 allow mourning. You know, if you've said something that was hard and that you don't like anymore, just feel the grief and, and do some mourning, but then move on or go back to that person. And say, gosh, you know, when I, and I've done that often with my kids. I really didn't like what I said to you this morning. I wish I, I, I wish I'd said like this. And it's, it's, it's leading by example of like, you know, I'm not, it's not about being perfect, but it's about being real and being honest. I, I, it's interesting. I'm just smiling because it's almost like we can say, Hey, can we, can I try that again? You know, going and talking to your teenager, Hey, you know, that conversation we had 10 minutes ago, I wanted to apologize. That did not go the way that I I really wanted it to. Can we, can we give that another go? Yeah. And it's almost like, I think they'd be open to it. You know, the teenager or the partner or the coworker, whoever it might be. Yeah. We, we call it a do over. Oh, can we just delete all of that? <laughs> give, give five minutes space and just start again. And then, and then both of us, you know, uh, have this have, have shifted to an, of an intention of connection because mm. that's actually what's often behind it. It's like actually I want to connect, and yet we're we're choosing words that connect us further, disconnect us further. You know, so yeah, I love that as a closing message. You don't have to do it perfectly. You can do a do over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much, Irma, for joining us today. You're welcome. I've loved every minute of it same. It's been amazing to connect with you. And your workshop sounds amazing. Enjoy life in Nelson. I think I mentioned to you before we recorded, I used to live in Anakiwa in the Mulberry Sounds when I worked for two and a half years um, at Outward Bound. So it's a gorgeous area over there. Shout out to all my friends in Nelson. I've got a lot of friends over that way. And um, one final question I would love to ask you, what is one of your favorite places in New Zealand and why? Uh, Farariki Beach in Golden Bay. Uh, I think that's the place where my husband and I fell in love when we visited New Zealand in 1993. And that image of that beach, oh, do you know it? No, I don't. <sighs> and I love beaches. Uh, it's, it's, it's got West Coast vibes, but even though it's in Golden Bay, but you're going sort of over more to the West Coast. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And this has been so valuable. And what I just would love from our audience is anything you can take from today that you can maybe integrate if you want to, no pressure, integrate into your life, into your relationships, into your communication to help us really reconnect and have stronger, healthier relationships. Today, we were talking to Irma Jaeger about compassionate communication, bridging across differences. Thanks, Irma. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Well, thank you so much to Irma for sharing her wisdom with us today. I love how she talks about moving away from opinions towards feelings and needs. So many good um, little tips and, and golden nuggets of guidance in there. From Irma, and I love her her vibe. So you can find out more about Irma, and she's at wellcom.net.nz. Well, like W-E-L-L-C-O-M-M.net.nz. 
Um, and by the way, as I was listening to her speak, it reminded me of a few of our previous episodes, um, particularly the one about owning your power and another one about self-leadership. So if you missed those, you can always go and check them out. You just simply go to realitycheck.radio um, slash replays and you just scroll down, look for the Up Your Brave show. And it's got pretty much every single episode there that you can listen to um, at your own time in your own um, in your own time at your leisure. So I hope you enjoy that. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. And today we're talking about communication. I'm so thrilled to introduce our next guest, the amazing Gemma Celeste. We are going to be diving into the topic of expressing your authentic self. Gemma is a personal style coach and a singer and songwriter and a longtime friend of mine. I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. Welcome, Gemma. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, be interviewed by you, Natalie, the great, the legend that is. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting because you guys can't see us, but um, we are two redheads. Yes, we are. In fact, mm -hmm. during the very first lockdown, I always tell this story when people, I say to people, well, Gemma is my style icon. So during the very first lockdown, I, and I, for many years in the lead up, I just really loved red hair. Like I was really wanted to have red hair, but I never had the courage to do it. And during the first lockdown, Gemma put up this video where she had blonde hair, like I did. And then she swung around in the chair and suddenly she had colored her hair red. And I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. Like, honestly, this <laughs> lockdown has shown me that life is too short and we have to do what we feel called to do. So she's my style icon. And interestingly, today, we're going to talk a little bit about style, about how you show up energetically, visually, and all the things. So Gemma, before we dive into the topic, I would love a little bit of backstory from you on, like, how have the last three years been for you? Good question. Um <clears throat> It's been a roller coaster like it has for everybody, but um, I'm always an optimistic and I always like to see the silver lining. Um, for me, being uh, in the entertainment industry and being a performer, I was very heavily affected by the mandating rules. Um, as someone that didn't want to get the jab, I was forced to uh, look at other avenues of, of getting an income. Um, so it made it very difficult for me, especially as someone that loves to connect with people through song, through dance, uh, through style. And it really made me have to kind of look at other avenues of how to express myself. Um, so, yeah, it was very difficult in, in that sense. But the silver lining on the outside, um, on the sorry, on the coming out of, of COVID and being mandated was it really helped me to recognize what my unique selling points are as a performer, as a singer, and really step into doing a lot more solo work um, because the industry has changed. There isn't as, as much money in it. Um, so I've actually found myself being busier in the aftermath of it because uh, there's not enough money to pay for four, five, six-piece bands, but a solo or a duo act is a lot more affordable. Um, it also allowed me to look at my repertoire of songs and all the music that I do and really broaden and open that up and document. I have over 400 songs actually physically written down that I can sing, um, but I do a lot more than that. Um, so it really made me look, yeah, look at, at myself and my gifts and my talents and um, really honed my craft during that lockdown time with all the extra time that I had. Oh, I also went viral. Uh, we did uh, my 
business partner and I at the time we created some comedy videos. We did a video called We Want KFC. It went viral, 75,000 hits in three days. Uh, we had all this time on our hands, so we just got a lot more creative. Um, so there was a lot of beauty that was that came out of it um, amongst all of the chaos. Well, I, yeah, a couple of silver linings, but some definitely some challenging times. And I think mm. you set up a Twitch channel as well, didn't you? Yes, I did set up a Twitch channel. It's so hard to remember all the things I achieved. So yes, I now live stream every week on Twitch. Um, it's very much like a live broadcast where people can come in and, and engage with you. They can request songs. You can talk to them live on air, but you don't have to always be engaged. It's like having the radio in the background or the TV in the background. So I now engage with people globally, um, sing songs, take requests, have a chat and just, it's kind of like my own little reality TV show online. So yes, that was also birthed during, during COVID as well. Um, so thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, for those of you that haven't met Gemma or you've never heard of her before, Gemma Celeste describes herself as an expressionist. Her sole purpose and mission is to help people express themselves through singing, dancing, and self-image coaching, interaction, and workshops. Gemma is an intuitive and interactive performer and has been entrancing audiences with her vo vocal, uh, with her voice locally and internationally for over 20 years. Her ability to engage and interact with her audience is what makes her stand out as an entertainer. Gemma also helps people to express themselves through style and image coaching, helping her clients recognize, harness, and reach their full potential by discovering their unique style, personality, body shape, and colors to express themselves and exude confidence on a daily basis in every situation. So I really want to dive into some of that stuff, Gemma. I know there's a lot of people out there, well, many, many people, who are really going through um, an evolution of sorts in terms of like, mm. who am I, you know, questioning who they are, questioning how they want to show up in the world. And I don't just mean fashion, I mean, mm. energetically, um, mm. and really wanting to express themselves. You know, some people are speaking their truth more than ever before, or being more, um, maybe more outgoing than ever before, or maybe being more hermit or reclusive than ever before, because they're, mm. they're tapping into who they want to be and who they feel like being not just what everyone expects. So with that being said, can you share with us a little bit around, you know, what is what is the art of expression and how do we effectively and authentically express ourselves? Sure. Um, well, the art of expression is also the art of letting go of judgment of yourself and of others. It's um, to express yourself is to truly love yourself. And because we are all beautifully unique and we should all celebrate that. So loving yourself for who you are as you are right now. And as you said, sometimes people don't know who they are. Um, so also to be um, the art of expression is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So basically stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into your fear and embracing it. So finding comfort and being uncomfortable. So how I would describe that, for example, dancing and singing is a really wonderful way to express yourself. But unfortunately, a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't know how to dance or I don't know how to sing. Now, music is the frequency of love and music does not judge you. The only people that are judging you nine times out of 10 are yourself. And the great thing about music is it's a, it's a feeling practice. It's not a thinking, thinking practice. So I say to people, if you really just want to let go and express yourself, um, put on a really amazing high vibe frequency song or a song that just kind of gets you out of your head and into your body and 
just let go and just feel it and just sing and dance like no one is watching because there is no right or wrong way to sing or dance. It's all a perception. So, for example, when I go to a festival, what I love the most is, is seeing a band on stage, for example, or a DJ, and then I'm looking around the sea of people and everyone is receiving that mu- music in a completely different way. Some, someone's down low feeling the bass. Someone's got their arms waving up high, feeling, you know, feeling the trebles, whatever it might be. But there's no right or wrong way to, to feel that emotion or feel that frequency. I so just want to jump in there because some people would think, oh my gosh, I would even at a, you know, at a fest, yes, okay, dancing by myself in my room, but at mm. a festival, they would just be self-conscious, I imagine, some people, mm. that mm. other people would judge or watch them. I guess you're saying just immerse yourself in the moment and not worry about it? 100%. Um, especially at a festival, because that's the beauty of festivals is why people go because there it, there normally isn't any judgment. The, most of the judgment is on yourself. Um, and those of you that are judging you, if they are, that's their problem. That's their perception. Normally it's a jealousy thing. I find, um, look, when you stand in your, in your vulnerability and you sh- always show up as your authentic self, you're being brave and vulnerable in your expression. And it's not always easy to do that. Um, but when you're being authentically yourself, you actually inspire others. And just like you said with me putting out that post of me dyeing my hair, it inspired you to do the same. I was brave. I was vulnerable. I took a leap. I dyed my hair. I put it out for everyone to see. And look what happened. It inspired you to do the same. So it's sort of reframing how you see yourself and how you show up in the world because you may be an, an inspiration for many, many other people around you, but you wouldn't even realize that you're doing that. If that makes sense. It, it's funny because I remember I saw you on the weekend and I think your partner asked me like, how, you know, how's life going with red hair? And I said, I feel like it really feels like me. Like people are blown away when they, mm-hmm. they realize I'm not a natural redhead. Um, yes. And I say, oh, I'm actually blonde, but um, no, I feel like it's the real me. And I feel like mm-hmm. I can be, and I've had to be, or I've chosen to be more vocal <laughs> and yep. more fiery over the last three years. So it's, it's in full alignment that I'm you know, I just, I really feel like the true version of myself. I feel very mm-hmm. confident with the the red hair. I love it. Um, yeah, it's interesting how something like that, which feels so surface material, just the color of your hair, can mm. actually make a difference. Can you comment on that in terms of either hair or clothing and things like that? 100%. I totally agree. When, same for me, when I dyed my hair, I was the same as you. I was blonde and I was always very drawn to redheads. I just something about it and and the uniqueness of it. And I felt exactly the same when I dyed my hair. I was like, ah, oh, okay, I feel like me. This is totally me. And as as time has gone on, I'm now very, very fiery bright. Um, yeah, you're and, like, you gotta be you're on the stage though. I'm just yeah. on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also my person, it's my personality. And the interesting thing is no jokes every single day without fail that I walk out my house and I go to the supermarket or I go to the dairy or I go anywhere, I get at least one person come up to me and say, oh, I love your hair. Or I wish I could dye my hair that color. Or I just, I just, I love your hair all the time. And it makes me sit there and go, okay, this is interesting. Why do people feel compelled to tell me this? Um, Not when I was blonde, not when I was a different shade of this color. And I think it's their way of sort of celebrating hey I you know I see that you're you're being yourself I totally see you and they feel safe to tell me that 
And the interaction that normally happens is, you know, it makes them feel good to compliment me. It feels great to get the compliment. But, you know, especially if they say, oh, I wish I could do that. And I'm like, well, you can go home and think about what it is that made you want to compliment me and change something within yourself. Um, and it can be as simple as, yeah, dyeing your hair, putting on, um, I mean, here's an, another example with your clothing. I mean, how does everyone feel when you're sitting around at home and you're going to watch a movie? You put on your comfies, you put on your hoodie and your tracksuit and you feel all comfy, right? Now, you're not going to go out and, and go to a business meeting wearing that or you're going to go to an awards event because you're wearing your comfies. But if you were going to go to a job interview, for example, you'd put on a, a beautiful suit or something that makes you feel powerful or you wear red because it's a powerful color. So there's this kind of shape-shifting and change. Um, I kind of liken it to being a ma magician. You really have the power to harness who you are inside authentically on the outside with how you show up in the colors you wear and the clothes that you wear and the color of your hair. But it's identifying that and understanding who you are with experimentation is a, is a huge part of it. And not being worried about being judged because all that matters is your opinion of yourself. And that comes down to self-love. Yeah. It, it's so funny. You know, I, I love, I, I, most people know I love op shopping. I love clothing, but all of mine's like pre-love eco geek clothing. Um, and I love sequins and I love jackets. But one time I remember I went to my daughter's room and I'm like, okay, I'm just heading out. She's like, mom, are you wearing that? It's, it looks like leftovers. So she told me my outfit looked like leftovers, um, which is quite funny. But I, yeah, I definitely wear the comfy clothes. And then I'll, if I'm going out, I have a couple of things that I'll, I'll definitely try. But I like to stand out. I tell my daughter, mm. why would you want to look like everyone else? Like, that's why I've never understood fashion. Mm. And I probably never purchased a designer brand because I just do not agree with any of that and never have. So I'm just I like, totally why, would you, why would you pay tons of money? To look like mm. everyone else. Like it just mm. never made any sense to me. Well, it's also, it's not what you wear, it's how you wear it. Now, there's a very different um, distinction between style and fashion. So fashion is what's coming out every three months, you know, summer, winter, autumn, et cetera. That's the current fashion. But style is how you wear it. So that's, you know, so you could put on a, a dress and kind of go, oh, God, it's just not right. doesn't feel right. Um, I could put on that exact same dress and it could just be wow on me and the way I style it or the way I dress it up. Um, but it could be the exact same piece of clothing. And same as you, I love op shops. I love, um, I, I I call it hunting for treasure. <laughs> and for me, um, there's there's actually, you know, clothing has an energy attached to it as well. So when I go into an op shop, I'm normally quite drawn. It might be a color or something that will just take me over to the section or that particular piece of clothing. And fortunately, because I know how to teach people how to dress for their body shape, I could pick up a piece of clothing and go, okay, this is round neck. That's not going to work for me. I'm a, I need to be wearing V-neck or oh, it's yellow. Um, that's my favorite color. But if I put a belt on it, that's going to work. So this is the kind of stuff that I teach. Um, but the interesting thing is, is when we went to your networking event, uh, Natalie, you asked everyone to bring an item of clothing and wear it, wear it that they hadn't for a while. And your friend, uh, Elisa came and she was wearing a dress. And I remember thinking, oh, she looks great in that. But the entire time she was sitting there, I could see her pulling at it. She was pulling mm -hmm. and tugging and I could tell she was uncomfortable. And I, I asked her, I said, oh, you're a bit uncomfortable in that dress, aren't you? And she said, yeah. She's like, I used to love this dress. And now I I don't know why, but I just don't like wearing it. And I said, when was the last time you, you wore it? She said, ah, oh, when I was dating my ex-husband. I said, well, that's the reason, because there's an energy attached to that dress. There's a memory attached to it. 
And she was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. So I said, well, this is the time to give that piece away, donate it to charity so that someone else can love that piece and it can form and you know, have a new home and a new memory for someone else. So sometimes it's it's something you're not even aware of as to why something doesn't feel right because it's an energetic um, reasoning, not not just a visual. And that that comfort and mm. translates into confidence. Like if someone is not comfortable Absolutely. because either the material is scratchy or they feel like mm. their skirt is too short or yeah. they, it's just an outfit that they would never wear. It just feels so not them. It mm. it translates in how they show up, how they connect with people or usually don't connect with people. Yeah, um, 100%. What do you like? Do you when you do you encourage people to think outside the box? Because everyone always goes and grabs the usuals, right? Their usual color, the usual style. Do you do you encourage people to like try something totally different, and then sometimes they they actually embrace it? Absolutely. Um, so when I work with with my clients, you know, there's a there's a whole um, form that they fill out for me to get an idea of their style personality. So for example. Natalie, your favorite color might be yellow, but you can't handle anything scratchy and itchy on your skin. So, for example, so you might, so I might find you a top, and even if yeah, it's your favorite color, you're like, nope, nope, that doesn't feel right on me. But there might be other people that are like, I don't care, yellow is my favorite color, and I don't care if it itches me. If, if that makes sense, so it's finding out what feels right for them on so many levels. But what I have am very good at doing is putting together outfits and things that they wouldn't normally put together, like colors or designs or patterns. And they're normally quite surprised. And I have to push people sometimes. They're like, oh no, I don't think that's going to work. I'm like, just trust me. If you can trust me, we'll think outside the box. And nine times out of 10, they go, I would never have put those colors together or that together. I absolutely love it. So it needs a little bit of coaching, someone to push their boundaries a little bit because I can see what they can't see. And this is kind of what life is like in general. Like they all, people always say, if only you could see how beautiful I see you, how, how you know, someone says, oh, I'm this or I'm that or I'm fat or I'm, or I'm ugly or, and other people going, no, you're not. Like, I think you're beautiful. I think your body's amazing. Um, our own self-perception can be so warped. And sometimes it takes someone on the outside looking in to go, hey, actually, you know, these things are actually your best qualities. Well, along those lines, I'd love it if you could walk us through like a little bit of your own journey, you know, where, where, how did you, have you always been super confident? Did you, was it a journey and experience for you to work through and now you've, you're turning around and helping other people to fully express themselves? Oh yeah. Um, no, I definitely haven't always been confident in all areas. Um, so as an example, from a clothing perspective, when I moved to the UK at 21, 21 years old, um, I got what they called the Heathrow injection. So I gained like three stone. I gained six, 12, 18 kilos, a lot of weight. And I found myself wearing black all the time, all the time. And I was so depressed and so sad because I felt heavy and overweight and I wasn't myself. And then I realized I was like, I miss color. I, I, I was like, I'm not expressing myself and something was missing so I continued to keep wearing black but I very much fell in love with accessories so I got obsessed with right colorful bags and shoes and necklaces and bracelets and earrings and that was where I found I could express myself and I was like oh okay there's something in this um, and as time went on, I I added colors back into my wardrobe and I started to recognize, you know, so some days, for example, I might have a fat tummy day and then I look at my body and go, okay, but I've got really nice legs. So I will cover up my stomach with, you know, a, a black top, for example, 
or a floaty top, but I'm going to wear a short skirt because my legs look really good today. But on a different day, I might think my legs look bigger and my stomach looks really flat. So then I, I highlight that part of my body. So, and even now, like I still am not a hundred percent confident in, in myself, but I know how to express myself in the clothes that I wear. So um, that's the knowledge that I impart onto my clients is to love yourself for who you are as you are right now, because it's a lot of it's in the mind and every day is different. And especially for women, especially around that time of the month where we're more bloated or, you know, we're having babies and many various things. Um, and then from a, from a singing point of view, the interesting thing is, is I was very confident most of my childhood, but then, it, uh, then when I came into my teenage years, I actually got a lot of jealousy and I still kind of get that a little bit now, um, that there's a lot of envy that comes with being a singer and having a talent. And I would get, oh, well, you're too loud or you're such a show off Gemma, or you think you're all that because you're always singing. And I'm like, I, I I honestly didn't think I was any good. Okay, so on the receiving end. On the receiving end, right. yes, yes. So, and I still have, I sometimes am on stage and I may look amazingly confident and wow, she's up there doing this, that and the other. And I still have an inner dialogue in my head going, okay, here, Gemma, here comes the high note. Or is it any good? Why aren't they clapping? I've got this inner dialogue going, but I have to remind myself that you know, when I show up and I be brave and I be vulnerable on stage and I sing and I dance, it allows other people to feel safe to do the same and it inspires them to get up and sing and dance. And as you've seen me do, I work with a wireless microphone and, yeah, and I'll see people. Yeah, I work the room and and I can see people that are sitting there really wanting to get up and dance and I'll grab their hand and I'll pull them onto the dance floor and I'll, you know, if I can take away people's cares or woes for one song, one hour, one moment, um, then I've done my job because music is the frequency of love and I'm there to spread joy um, and it's bigger than me. So, you know, it may look like I'm I'm all confident all the time, but I'm I'm not. I'm I'm battling just as much. I just have a different level of expression. It's, you know, because I've got the the talent and the and the years of experience. And this is what I'm always trying to um pass on to others as well. Cause you can't re- you can't um relate yourself to other people's level, if that makes sense. It does. You know, one of the things I wanted to loop back to, you talked about strangers coming up to you and complimenting your hair. Um I, I don't get that, but I do get, um, I did get a lot of people messaging me over the past few years saying, oh my goodness, you're so courageous, you know, speaking your truth. Or I saw your video where you're sitting in the car on Facebook Mm. and they'd say things like, I wish I had the courage to do that, or I would love to do that, but I honestly can't handle the pushback, you know? So they, they kind of commend me and then acknowledge that they would love to do that, but it's it basically was too dangerous of an environment. Um, I would like to think that the environment has shifted, has changed, where people now can more confidently kind of come out of the shadows or speak their truth a little more. Do you see people expressing themselves? I mean, generally speaking, but more around the kind of, you know, truth or questioning things area. Do you see more of that authentic expression lately? Yes, I, I do think so. I think there was obviously a time when it was very segregated, very black and white, and there was so much fear around speaking your truth, even to your best friend or your mum or your dad, um, for fear of being judged. I do feel now there's there, there seems to be more um, 
even just like a little bit of comedy around it. It's like people seem to be able to say things with a bit of um, sarcasm laced in it, or if, if that makes sense, or they're just feeling a little safer to to speak their truth, not just around COVID, just in life in, in, in general and setting safer boundaries for themselves and speaking up. Um, and I even think, you know, just with, you know, let's look at the, you know, the LGBTQ community and the sort of non-binary and, and gender and all that and depression, just I think things are being spoken about more in general um, with with less judgment, which is making people feel a little bit safer to speak, which is a fantastic thing. And I think people, are, I feel like people are pulling people up more if they are being judgmental, which is also yeah, it's, a it's an interesting time because just with what you mentioned there, um, I mean, some people, you know, would say to me like, but Nat, you're so for people fully upping their brave and being who they are and expressing themselves. And I say, mm -hmm. yes, I am. However, what I'm not for is young, impressionable people being convinced or coerced mm that they're not the gender that they, you know, that they were born mm. with and mm. maybe being sold or told that, you know, there's a, there's a solution and, and mm. you'll be so happy mm. if you, if you, you know, transition. So mm. I'm very wary of that. And in fact, mm. I'm going to be doing an episode called keeping kids safe, which will cover a whole host of things, including um, gaming and internet and all sorts. Um, so uh, for me, when it comes to self-expression, yes, it's up your brave, express who you are, the true you. However, I'm very wary, cautious, concerned about society when young, impressionable teenagers are being encouraged on TikTok, TikTok mm. and possibly in the school environment, um, especially when they're craving community and connection. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk on that, but I definitely wanted to express that to my audience. I think it's great you're going to do a whole segment on on that. And the big, big key word is is safety, is feeling safe in, in any environment to express yourself. And I actually did a post the other day, reposted a video um, of a transgender man who was speaking out about exactly what you're saying about the the fear of them being um, impressionalized. There's, it's so hard because there's two sides of the coin, right? Um, and I think um, because, so for my granddad, for example, was a drag queen. He's one of the first drag queens in New Zealand. He's actually in the Te Papa Museum. So he was closeted for many years. Um, he didn't transition, but he, you know, dressed up as, as a man, but he came out as an adult, um, which is which is beautiful and amazing. And that's a form of expression, right? <clears throat> and I know of an, another child that in his younger years, around eight years old, you know, wanted to, thought he was a girl, wanted to be a girl, didn't go through any of the hormone therapy um, which I don't agree with as a child is, is having any of any changing things too much or a surgery because they're still developing. Um, but he actually changed um, school, came out as a changed his name, was a girl for a few years and then hit puberty and decided, actually, no, I want to be, I'm, I am, I am a boy and I'm, I'm, I want to go back to being called my original name. And he was so grateful for that experience that he'd, he'd gone through that, but he was also very grateful. He didn't go on the hormone replacement therapy. He didn't have the surgery, but his mother, you know, guided him through that process. Um, but there definitely, I think it is worrying the, the, what you're saying. Yeah. The um, pushing on, on the young generation. I think it's, it's good to explore, but, not be coerced is yeah is, and it comes back i think to us being able to ask questions mm. just like with the jab situation like hey is this really a good idea it's like oh no you, you can't question that 
you know, we're having a lot of repeat. So I mm. think, it, again, it's a great reminder for us as a society. Let's not fall victim to the division, the mm. intentional segregation as such. Um, let's just, you know, let's just come together and support people, but we don't have to coerce them or convince them. And especially no. we don't have to encourage 12 year olds to take puberty blockers without their parental awareness or consent. So no, more on I, that later, everyone, obviously I've got definitely. a lot of, lot to say on that, but, um, mm-hmm. I'd love to tune yeah. into that show for sure. There's, <laughs> uh, so by the way, everyone, if you're listening to us, um, <laughs> as you probably know, you can text in with some of your questions or some of your perspectives 2057 is the free number to text, or you can email us inbox at realitycheck.radio with some of your views. I'd love to know what have you done in the past year to express yourself more authentically? We would love Mm -hmm. to hear. And if you've got questions for Gemma, she'll tell you in a few minutes how to, uh, how to get in touch and contact her. Um, Gemma, I'd love to ask you if if you've got specific guidance or tips for our audience around um, expressing themselves. Sure. Um, So some things I've already touched on and weaved into the conversation, Um, but I think this particular point can relate to what we were just talking about as well, is is I would love everyone to look at every situation and encounter with people with kindness, awareness, compassion, and without judgment, because you really never know what is happening in someone else's life. And everyone's perception of the world is different based on their life experience. And if we were all more mindful and less judgmental, we would all feel safer to express ourselves more authentically and freely. So basically, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. Um, because it's, life is hard. You know, there's, there's no easy road. Um, so if we could all just, yeah, just be a little more kind and compassionate and, and, and less judgy and also less judgy on ourselves. Um, and I always say, you know, you're only capable of accusing someone of doing something that you're capable of doing yourself or have done or judging someone. Normally you judge people on this, the very thing that you're judging yourself on. Um, so look at the way you're judging yourself and judging others and try and reframe it, you know, turn every negative belief or, or saying into a positive. Yeah, I love um, that. So drop the judgment and, yeah. uh, and things will be easier, better. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's it's a it's a fear based mindset. It's totally a fear based mindset. Um, in terms of uh, from a clothing wardrobe perspective, um, I would encourage everyone to go through their wardrobe. This is clothes, accessories, shoes, bags, whatever it might be. And if there's anything that you haven't used or worn for two years or more, get rid of it. Because holding on to these items can be taking up very precious energy and space and basically keeping you stuck, especially if the clothes no longer fit you or have memories attached to them, as I spoke about earlier. Also, giving these items to charity will make you feel good knowing that they are going to a new home and they are also helping a cause at the same time. You may find that you'll go through your wardrobe and be like, oh, I haven't worn that in a while. Try it on because it might just have been shoved to the back. (laughs) Um, But nine times out of 10, so the two years or more rule is a good way to just declutter and you'll, you'll just feel much lighter, trust me. Um, and yeah, knowing it's going to a new home is, is always great. I used to organize these clothing swaps and I'd have the girls mm-hmm. over and everyone would just bring a couple of items that they, they really loved the item. It just wasn't for them anymore. Mm. And we would literally like hold them up or like try to sell them to each other, you know, in a, mm. like, this is such a gorgeous garment. And then people would be like, I'll try it. And the rule was you had to show us. <laughs> so they go into the other room, they come yeah. back 
it was so much fun. And people ended up doing like just, you know, walking out the door with two or three new items that they were super excited about. The other mm-hmm. person was super happy because the items had found a new home. And um, and it was a fun social evening. So, hey, if anyone wants to take that idea and run with it, go for it. Absolutely. I mean, like just recently I gave a, a skirt to my friend that I've been trying to fit back into for years and, you know, did, literally didn't follow my own advice, had it sitting there for like, I don't know, six years or something. And I was like, you know what? Every time I looked at the skirt, it just reminded me that I couldn't fit into it. So I felt like crap. I was like, well, this is not serving me anymore. So I said to my best friend, I said, look, would you like to have the skirt? And now she wears it all the time. And I love seeing her wear it. And she's like, oh, I wore that skirt on a date and the boy kissed me and la, 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 la. And there's all these new memories attached to it. And it's like, okay, me giving that to her just has, has given it new life rather than looking at it going, oh, I can't fit into it anymore. And it being a negative um, experience. So again, it's that reframing um, piece. Nice. Um, so drop the judgment um, and yeah, let go of things that don't really fit you or, you know, they're a different, maybe they're a different version of you because we've all, like I said, we've all evolved over time. We have a different style. Absolutely. Um, But also try something new. Would you agree? Always try something new. Yeah. If you feel yourself drawn to something and it's that little voice in your head, like you and me always wanted to dye our hair red. There's a reason for that. That little voice is saying, Hey, I think this is going to light you up. This is going to make you happy. So if you see a top in a store and it's bright pink and you're like, oh, I can't wear that color. It's too bright or whatever it might be, go and put it on because <laughs> you might be surprised at how it feels. So I think for me, for, you know, the, the key the key point is get out of your head and get into your body. Um, you know, how does this feel on me? How does it feel to sing and dance? How does this top feel? Not, not about how you think it feels or how you think it's going to make you feel. I think this is the issue with um, humans in general. We're just too much in our heads and we're, we're not in our bodies. Um, you know, I think that's, that's the big piece. Um, and does it, does it, if it feels good, then, then wear it or do it. And who nice. cares what anyone thinks? Because it'll show. It will really show. I'm going to ask you in a minute my classic questions that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I do... I would love to know what is one of your favorite singing experiences, meaning like a gig that you had um, mm. that was just like one of your all-time favorites. Oh gosh, there's so many. <laughs> um, okay, this one that pops into my head um, again. It's, this is hugely around expression. So I was singing at a, a club in the Viaduct called Velvet, and. I'd actually brought along a box of props. So in this box were feather boas and hats and sunglasses and just lots of fun stuff. And I was watching this gentleman who was sitting at the bar and he was quite masculine. He was drinking by himself, drinking a beer, and I could see his toe tapping. So I was like, okay, he's enjoying the music, but the, you know, he didn't engage or even really look up at me or clap or anything like that but I was like okay he's engaged I've got I've got his attention there and there's a couple of times when I was um performing and I got off stage and I kind of went over to him and I gave him a little wink and he he kind of engaged back with me but I could feel this energy of like he wanted to get up and dance and be free but he he was scared so I was like okay I'm, I'm gonna try something here so I grabbed one of the feather boas and I draped it over his neck and I and I kind of pulled him off his chair and started dancing with him. And and there was already other people on the dance floor wearing boas and hats and glasses. And I could see him looking at them kind of like, oh, I wish I could do that. So I kind of forced him to. 
grabbed, um, put the bow over his head, got him onto the dance floor, and oh my goodness, this gentleman transformed into this like dancing diva, and he was spinning and twirling and just having so much fun playing with his feather boa. He went into character and he lost himself in the music. And it was just such a beautiful moment for me to see that I'd helped pull him out of his shell and create this other persona of him. And he even said to me afterwards, he was like, oh my God, he's like, I never dance. And he's, I'm too, I'm too afraid of what people think. So he said, thank you for seeing that. And you know, putting me into character. And he's like, I, I love that so much. And I was like, well, go go buy yourself a boa and do it more often at home in your bedroom. Um, but for me, that was just, I'd done my job. I had helped someone get out of their shell and just embrace having some fun. I love that. It, and it does, it shifts the energy. Like you said earlier, whether you do it mm. alone at your house or, or on the dance floor, mm. I do love getting on the dance floor, I got to say, but I'm very picky about my music. Um, mm. But luckily when you sing, because you do a lot of, you know, 80s and and 90s and stuff that I love and 70s. Um, so I'm going to ask you about the Up Your Brave. What is one thing that you um, have done, experienced, or navigated through in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Good question. <laughs> um, so the last three years, you know, have been testing, and I'm always on a journey of self-discovery. Um, so... I've been working with various people, um, so some different therapy modalities to kind of uncover and face some memories that shape and define me and who I am as a person. Um, I just really got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm tired of suffering from anxiety and overwhelm and negative thoughts and self-limiting beliefs um, that we all struggle with. And I invested um, emotionally, spiritually and financially to help me overcome uh, some of these issues and blocks to release tension, tension and help me express myself even more. That's been through uh, hypnosis, spiritual retreats, energy release therapy. Um, there's loads of different modalities and I'll never stop working on myself. Um, but through doing these things, um, it has allowed me to realize that I have something to give and I'm now currently working on creating some workshops called The Art of Expression. And eventually I think I want to write a book um, and an album called The Art of Expression. So, yeah, stepping into this sort of new space of creating a book <laughs> and workshops, which I've never thought of doing. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of quite exciting for me and scary. <laughs> that, that's so awesome. And I can tell from your face that it's really lighting you up. I mean, as we most of us know, you know, we're going through energetic change um, as a society, but also individually at the moment, and and it is important. My my other guest, uh, Penny, she's talk she talks a lot about you know doing the work, right? And it's like you are mm. you're doing the inner work. You you basically took the initiative to seek someone to help you through or different modalities, which I'm loving to mm -hmm. help you um, really find the true essence of you, and then to express that and to release what's not serving you from the past. Mm. So this is really a time where a lot of dramas and traumas are coming up for people. And we don't want them to drag people down. We'd love them to be able to process and release them. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about bucket lists, but maybe you just said it. You just said something about, well, writing the book. Mm. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one. Um, it's never, never crossed my right mind to write a book, but in a sort of a spiritual uh, meditation moment, it just kind of dawned on me that um, to communicate and to express is not just verbal. Um, it can be written, it can be visual, 
and it can be verbal as well. So how can I touch on all of those modalities? And it kind of just dawned on me um, that I don't have to sing everything. I can spoken word things. I can write things down um, because everyone learns in different ways. And what I'm excited about through eventually running sort of retreats and workshops is I will constantly keep evolving in my art of expression through my clients and their experiences. Um, and, you know, this is bigger than me. This is, I have, I feel, you know, my, my soul's purpose is to help people express themselves. That's what I'm here to do. And I have to keep showing up in, in my expression as well. And just something to say to everyone out there as well is don't be afraid to share your past and your traumas and your stories because um, it's amazing how much it makes other people feel safe to know that they're not alone. Um, I recently put a post out, you know, I was having a bit of a dark time. I was very low. I was having suicidal thoughts. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I just had all of the things and I shared it and I, you know, said to everyone, it's okay not to be okay. Um, and I rattled off a whole bunch of stuff. And the the response was amazing because the amount of people that were like, oh, I never thought someone like you would deal with depression. I never thought someone like you could have dark thoughts because you seem so happy and so vibrant and so all of these things. And um, I'm not all the time. <laughs> and it made me realize that what we put out on Facebook and on social media, et cetera, we're only just putting out the good stuff. And we need to put out the bad stuff as well because it makes – everyone feel connected and safe and like, okay, it's not just me. You know, everyone has um, self-limiting beliefs and dark thoughts and trauma and pain and everyone's version of it is different. Um, so I think the more we share and be honest and be vulnerable and share our truth and express ourselves, it'll, and it'll make others feel safer. And then there'll be less judgment. You know, there'll be way less judgment because people can go, oh, okay, I'm not alone. It's not just me. I think you're right. I mean, I, me and a whole bunch of friends attended a funeral last week and mm -hmm. it was a friend and we were really surprised. We were really surprised, but the world was just too heavy and too dark for him. And um, it's so tragic. And so one of the things, thank you for mentioning that, that I want to bring out from this interview is the power of asking for help in terms yes. of communication. Mm -hmm. So, And sometimes showing up as your authentic self is not showing up as the happy, friendly, positive, or whatever you're known for, because we're all known for certain things. I'm known for my energy and enthusiasm. And yes, that's so true. But sometimes I get fired up, right? Occasionally I get sad, but usually I get more angry than sad. But I think that you having the, the humility, the vulnerability, the courage to acknowledge that, you know, things are really tough for me right now. Uh, we love that because we don't, we'd rather that than you pretend everything's happy face. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't, and, and then it gets the better of you. So thank you for reminding our audience of that. No problem. I think, yeah, we all, all need to be reminded of that. And again, back to just kindness and compassion and awareness for, for your fellow human, because you just don't know what anyone's going through. Um, you really don't. And unfortunately it can, it can lead to tragedy. It can, you know, we had a, my husband and I had this discussion um, at the dinner table the other night and we called it, you know, you can't judge what you see in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, and just for some quick backstory, you know, he had looked, you know, there was some dad at the, at the school grounds or whatever with this super flash car. You know, my husband looks at him and he's like, oh, lucky for him. 
you know, fancy car. He just got, you know, just decided to buy it, whatever. Meanwhile, we have this, like, we only have one car because my husband bikes to work and we, it's just this big family wagon. We call it the hippo. Anyway. <laughs> so my husband's thinking, oh, lucky for him with this flash car. And then he was telling me about it and I go, oh, well, you know, they're divorced. Right. And he's like, really? And so, it, so basically it was like a metaphor is mm-hmm. like, you can't just judge people for what you see in the car park. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And Absolutely. it wasn't like this dad was pretending his life was amazing. It was my husband's interpretation of what he saw in the car park. So I think that's such a great reminder. No, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. And we can't mm-hmm. really just judge people by, quote unquote, what we see in the car park or whatever, what you see on Instagram, Facebook. But um, it's a good reminder. Everyone's got stuff going on because here's the thing. My belief is we are here to go through life. And I always make this little basket with my arms and I pretend I'm picking up things. Mm-hmm. And we go through life picking up experiences. That is all we're doing. And Mm. then we're processing them. And some of them are amazing. And some of them are shiny and lovely. And some of them are like grubby and gross, like, you know, experiences Mm. and that and learning from them. And we can't just judge someone by what we can see on the outside. Um, Absolutely. I think it all comes down to, uh, sorry to interrupt. So um, perception as well is really stopping and questioning, especially when it comes to judgment. And a classic one is... um, with me, with my singing, for example, I'll get two types of people and I've had it most of my life and I could be, you know, up there doing my thing and I'll look over and I'll, and I, I f- unfortunately predominantly get it from women and I'll look over and I'll have one woman that is, is scouring and I could see her maybe talking to her friends going, oh, she thinks she's so great and la 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 la. And then someone else going, oh, wow, she's amazing. I wish I could be more like that and and commend me. And, and admire me and oh well if she can do it I can do it now the one that's looking at me and judging me the problem is it's because I'm sparking something in them that they aren't doing themselves so they are looking at me with judgment because that's actually they're judging themselves because they can't do what they are what they really want to do if that makes sense yeah. um I've done it myself you know the other day I I saw a a, a woman wearing this really nice um, quite tight, sexy dress. And I was like, I, ha- I had this moment of wanting to judge her. Like she can't wear that. It's too sexy. And then I was like, no, you're just jealous, Gemma, because you don't have a body that, that, that looks like that to be able to wear a dress like that. So I caught myself in that moment because I, I did, I judged her, but it was actually me judging myself. So I would uh, implore everyone to look at when you do have those moments it's normally self-reflection and something you need to look at and look at that person and go, oh, good on her for wearing that because she can or because he can or because they can or good on them for having that fancy car. It's not luck. They've earned it and, and, and be inspired by that person rather than putting them down and judging them and then look at, okay, what have I got to look at myself here? Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, the other, the other thing I often do with judgment and jealousy, I had a guest a few weeks back, Lisa Black. She's amazing. She, I interviewed her. Um, and I remember many, many years ago, she talked about jealousy being a gift because it shows us what mm. we want. Yes. And so I adapted that. And I, for years, I said, jealousy is like a beam of light shining mm. down on what you truly desire. Mm. Meaning, you know, some, and I work with people with their goals, right? And their business goals normally. But, um, and sometimes people go, oh, I don't really know what my goals are. I'm not really sure. And I'm like, well, like, think of someone or something that you're jealous of. And they're like, oh, well, my friend went to Fiji, like lucky her, you know, I'm like, okay, so you want to go to, you want to go on a holiday to Fiji? And she's like, oh yeah, I guess I do. Like, so Mm -hmm. sometimes jealousy can actually help you to discover what you actually want, goals, truly desire. 
because it's basically showing you, you know, you're jealous of it. It's, it's riling something up in you. So I think if we can turn that into a positive and help us to figure out, oh, okay, you going, oh, maybe I would love to have like a body that could rock that dress. Hmm. You know, oh, that's okay. Good. Thank you, universe, for highlighting that to me. I like your jealousy. Okay. Now what can, what empowered action can I take to, um, you know, to get that hot body or to get that Fiji holiday or whatever it, whatever it might be. So I, I find that quite fascinating. So turn the judgment and jealousy into an opportunity to laser focus on what you truly desire. Exactly. Which then in turn will help you to express yourself more authentically because the very thing that you judge is the very thing that you're not showing up and expressing so and I think this is the thing when people like you know I have a girlfriend of mine who um she is actually used to be a professional dancer and she doesn't dance as much anymore because she judges how she dances um and then she judges everyone else's dancing and I'm like so I said well the reason you think that everyone else is going to judge you when you dance is because you're judging everyone else when they're dancing and it kind of made her go oh that's a good point (laughs) um so yeah, let go of the ju- judgment, let go of the jealousy, and yeah, and turn it into desire and goal setting and optimism and yeah, stepping into your true authentic self and yeah, just living your best life. Amazing. Well, speaking of living your best life, what is coming up for you and how can people connect with you online? Sure. Well, I am I'm always out and about in Auckland singing. So if any, very easy to find me, Gemma Celeste pretty much across all of the socials. If you Google Gemma Celeste, I'm the only one, which is fab. (laughs) Um, But if you find me on Instagram and Facebook, I'm always advertising where I'm going to be singing around Auckland. But this Sunday, I will be at my regular gig, 5 to 7 p.m. at a beautiful little bar called Pinchos in Oraki. Um, I have a monthly slot at Bamboo Tiger um, on K Road, the first Friday of every month. And then the rest of the gigs are a private or weddings and they're a little bit more scattered around, but you can always find me on the socials of, of where I'm going to be. Amazing. So, Hey, you guys, if you love this interview, you can give Gemma some love. You can go and like, or follow her on Instagram and all the places. And if you want to book her, do you do like birthdays and, and such? Yep. So I, um, I create bespoke shows as well. So I do Weddings, 21st, birthdays, corporate events. Um, I, I'm working with an artist doing um, music for him. Anything that you like. Uh, I have been doing this for 22 years, so I'm very versed in many different styles of music and genres, and I can tailor it to whatever your um, unique event is. No matter what age, race, you know, desire you have, I'm, I, can, I can do it all. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to add around the topic of expressing your authentic self? Sure. Um, I think we just all need to remember that we're all human and we all deserve love and respect. Uh, We're all created uniquely and we all have something special and amazing to offer the world. So just, you know, keep, keep looking on the bright side of life, keep being positive, tuning into yourself and just show up because you you just might surprise yourself. Awesome. Well, in a minute, we're going to go to a song that Gemma actually wrote and is singing. So do you want to give us a little bit of a insight on that? Yes, sure. So um, this next song, uh, the, the song, <laughs> is called Share Our Land, Holding Hands. And there was actually a post that was put out. A friend of mine, Will Watson, created a documentary called Soldiers Without Guns. Definitely go and look it up and watch it. And it was about a country that, uh, Papua New Guinea, I believe, that had uh, 
almost 20 years of civil war and 17 failed peace attempts. And New Zealand came in um, and brought peace to this country, not using any weapons, but just using culture and guitars and singing and bringing people together through music. Uh, he put a post out and he asked, is there anyone out there that could write a song um, on the, the divine feminine energy and bringing people through um, connection and music? And within five minutes or 10 minutes of the post going out, I, I put, yep, I'm interested. And then my guitarist messaged me and said, hey, I've already written like a song just like this. Um, and he sent it to me. And within 20 minutes, I had downloaded and channeled these words. and the it all came to get very together very quickly and it's a yeah song of like unity and coming together and yeah being as one oh well i think it is high time for the divine feminine to um unite the people once again yes thank you 100%. so much Gemma, for joining us today thank you for having me now it's been a pleasure all right everyone here it is enjoy the song
You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. I hope you enjoyed that original song by singer and songwriter Gemma Celeste. Uh, quite different from a lot of the stuff she does when you go and see her perform. But I love to see her amazing range that she's got. Um, she normally does, you know, she'll do everything from Whitney Houston to Cindy Lauper to all sorts of um, jazz and all sorts of things. So very, very talented. I love in that interview how Gemma shares with us the importance of getting out of your head and getting into your body. Um, and whether that's, you know, music or, or walking in nature, whatever it might be, it is so important to do that. You can find Gemma on, as she said, Gemma Celeste, G-E-M-M-A, Celeste. Uh, her website, GemmaCeleste.me. On Instagram, she's Gemma Celeste. On Facebook, Gemma Celeste Singer. And on Twitch, Gemma Celeste TV. So definitely get in touch with her. Go and follow her on Instagram um, and listen to some music and get into your body. So now I would love to segue to something that we do in some of the shows. Sometimes we do a sneak peek. Sometimes we do a flashback. I've got one more interview guest for you. But before I bring that one in, I would love to do a flashback Friday for you. So I'm going to take you now to just a five minute clip. Well, actually, 5.55 uh, minute clip with one of our previous guests, Lance Burdett. Now, this is one of our more popular, most popular episodes, um, and probably because Lance is such an amazing speaker, he's very well known, but also the topic that he talks about. Now, this was the week that we did um, Navigating Grief and Loss was the umbrella topic that we did. And specifically in this clip, Lance is talking through a strategy to support someone who is having anxiety or suffering from a panic attack. So here it is, Lance Burdett on the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. Something that a lot of people have experienced in their lives um, and, and a lot of people lately, you know, with all of the things that we've been experiencing with the floods, but also financial stress, um, panic attacks. Do you have a specific, I haven't experienced it, but I've been around people who have. Do you have a specific technique um, that you recommend for the, let's say the bystander or for the actual person experiencing yes. it? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Look, that is the foundation of who we are. And you, I mean, we could make this a very short interview. You've nailed it. Uh, it's about breathing out. Um, when we go into a panic attack, we breathe in too much and we hyperventilate, right? So um, what the brain is wired to do is when we uh, are feeling overwhelmed or when something comes at us, you know, the fight or flight, or you've heard of all that stuff, and that's the, that's the center of who we are. Now, what happens, the brain is wired to take a big, deep breath, which produces oxygen and, you know, goes through the brain. And we stay in that hyper state. We get adrenaline released. That's not that that's just for energy. It's the cortisol that comes with it. So all that happens in an instant. And when people um, have a panic attack, essentially they're breathing in too much and they've got too much cortisol. So if you and the listeners, while we're talking, were to breathe out as slowly as you can and keep breathing out. And when you think you've breathed out to the very end, breathe out some more, the chances are you'll be calm. Right. So that's the first thing that I want people to understand and realize is that when we breathe out, our heart rate goes down. When we breathe in, our heart rate goes up. And that essentially is what doctors are, are checking when they do your blood pressure and they, they're, they're checking for the pulse, but they're also checking for the is the pulse, does it change? And that's got to do with the vagus nerve, V A G U S. That's the first thing I want you to think about is to breathe out when something happens. Now, if we continue with that whole thought process, another simple technique 
is to take a very big, deep breath and sigh out as hard as you can. So I'll get you to do it and I'll do it with you. Take a big, deep breath, go. And sigh out as hard as you can. (sighs) And now try to think of something immediately. Yeah, I'm kind of daisy. Nothing there. It's stopped. So that's like a reset for the brain. And the only other breathing technique I ever talk about is how to regulate your breathing, which regulates your thoughts and put you into the alpha zone, which essentially is six seconds in, six seconds out. And if you keep just breathing in and out, I met uh, somebody from uh, St. John, an ambulance officer recently. He was at a presentation I did. He came up to me um, a few weeks later and said, and stopped me in the street. Um, I, I didn't realize who he was. And he said he introduced himself and he said, we don't put people, I don't put people on oxygen anymore when they have panic attacks on the side of the road after having an accident. He said, I just sit there with my watch and get them to breathe in and out to six seconds. And he said, within two or three breaths, they they, they can't believe what's just happened. And so those are the three breathing techniques. All we have to know, the first one is how to put ourselves into freeze, which is breathe out slowly. The second one is to sigh if you want to, just like IT people tell you, if you want to switch it off and back on again. We just It just clears your heads of all thoughts. And the last one puts you into the alpha zone where your thoughts stop. So you're still aware. And that one, in fact, is what we use to get people to put them to sleep. But I use that last technique, the six-second technique, for when people call me who are suicidal. Um, and I do get them on occasion. I try to work, um, not to get into that these days because um, there's a lot of work. And, you know, it's an hour or two hours or three hours, and you can't leave the person. But on occasion, I have no choice. So I will sit the person down where they are and we'll get them just to do that. And look, I'm no longer surprised at how many people say, what happened? I'm not thinking. Um, that voice has gone away. That voice that's telling me to do awful things has disappeared. And it is around if you control your breathing, it controls your thoughts. You know, we were once told that think of something positive when you're going through something hard. Well, good luck with that. Uh, you've got to control the breathing first because the breathing takes you to your prefrontal cortex where logic sits. You've got to come out of the limbic system and into the prefrontal cortex first, and then we can do whatever it is we're going to do. Uh, number one, I wanted to thank you because very practical, like you mentioned, but the the story of the paramedic, not he's got the oxygen mask, but he doesn't need it. What what that does, it empowers every single person that just heard that, te- that technique with the six seconds. Most people wear a watch. I actually don't, but um, we've got a phone. We can time six seconds. And if we can, if we have that skill to just be able to sit with someone, whether it's an accident or they witness something where they're just really something's happened, we can, we can do that. It's so simple. Thank you. The second one, the reset, the sighing out again, simple and the breathing one, because most people, if someone is having a panic attack would say, they would say, breathe, probably they would say, just breathe, Mm. just breathe. But they might breathe the wrong direction. Is that right? They might try that's to breathe a, more air yeah, in. Yeah, that's the, you're, that, that's exactly right. So we, we say to people, look, look, just take a just take a breath, just take a deep breath. Well, all you're doing is putting fuel on the fire. Yeah. Um, all you've got to say to somebody is breathe out. Now, the reason why we used to do the the paper bag, you remember those days, right? So, oh, they're hyperventilating. Put them. They're going to breathe in carbon dioxide. Really. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to breathe in? You've got to get rid of carbon dioxide. So it's just about reducing the inward and increasing the outward. And it's that, really that simple. I hope you enjoyed that little flashback. Uh, that was Lance Burdett in his episode. 
Um, and of course, if you want to check out all the other replays, you can do that. Not just my show. There's tons of other amazing shows. Realitycheck.radio slash replays. You can go there and listen at your leisure. Now it's time to go to our third and final interview guest for today's episode, where we're talking about the power of communication. So it was really cool. Penny came to town. She came to Auckland. Um, and while she was here, we got to do the interview in person. So the audio is not as good as usual, but the connection was amazing. And after we recorded, she came with me to the beach, uh, Mission Bay, where I host my networking club. And she got to meet some of the amazing people that I get to see um, every two weeks at my networking club. And so that was amazing. And I just love seeing people come together. And there's nothing like communicating in real life. So here she is. I'm chatting with Pen Penny Claridge. Enjoy. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Penny Claridge. She's from Voice Media. She's a truth warrior and a mom of two. Penny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm excited that we actually connected in person. And I mean in person, you guys. We are literally sitting side by side in real life. And it feels so good. Um, and it's really cool because Penny, I'm sure you guys have friends like this, people that are so motivated, so inspired, working their magic, you know, just quietly behind the scenes and you connect with them on wherever, Telegram or wherever you know them from, and then you get to meet them in real life. And that's what we're doing today. And this conversation will be quite fluid. And, but today we're talking about communication and I know Penny, you've got a background in marketing and communications and you've got this voice media thing going on. Before we dive into that, can you let me know, let us know, what have the last three years been like for you? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. Um, so for the last three years, uh, prior to 2020, I was a busy career woman, busy mum, uh, really involved in my kids' sports. And yeah, I was just one of those people that um, the world was going really, really fast and the days were going fast. And then came to a grinding halt in 2020 and um, really used that time as an opportunity to reassess the busy. And um, like a lot of people, actually quite enjoyed that lack of um, having to drive around and things. And so really re-evaluating re my healthy lifestyle and um, the speed at which I was doing everything. And then, um, yeah, with the whole 2021 situation, it flipped my world upside down uh, when all the vaccinations rolled out. And I did a whole lot of research and started seeing the world as a totally different place to what I thought that it was. Yeah, it's funny because I often say in many of my shows, as most people, but not everybody knows, 2020 was the year of clear vision. Mm. And 2023, interestingly, is the year of, you know, reevaluation. And um, so you had clear vision in 2020, so did I. And um, we saw some things that we, yeah, we just put together some, some truths, connected some dots. So, I mean, obviously life changed for you. And then you ended up starting, I don't even know when you started, voice media. So what was the turning point for that? What was yeah. the, and what was the vision as well? Yeah. So I didn't start Voice Media. I've just joined. Uh, I've just joined into it. So Voice okay. Media was created by a guy called MJ, who's been involved in Truth Media for thirty odd years. 
Um, and I've just joined his um, joined on a channel of my own so that I can have my own voice there, which is really cool. So I, I joined there maybe three months ago. It was just around the time that the Hawke's Bay floods happened. Mm. And I was looking for other people to uh, share the stories of all the amazing people I meet. And MJ challenged me by saying, it's actually you, Penny. You actually get to share the stories directly. So that's when I sort of put my face out there for the first time mm. to join the, the the truth journalism movement. You upped your brave. I did. <laughs> well, that's what I love. And that's what I love about RCR and all the other platforms and all the other people doing their thing in their own way. Mm. I mean, not everyone wants to host, you know, a radio show or interview people in videos but I think everyone is doing their thing I'm not gonna say doing their bit doing their thing mm -hmm. in their own way using their own strengths um so that is and you know and slowly would you agree slowly we're shifting the consciousness of humanity do you think so I think we absolutely are and I think for a long time the question on everyone's lips was when will the mainstream media start speaking the truth mm -hmm. and it's been so frustrating because we know that they're the ones holding the veil up and now around the world, more and more people are going, oh, it's me, it's us. It's actually citizen journalism that we need because we're not corrupt and we we just put our heart and soul into it. And so we don't need to wait for the mainstream media because they're losing their audience anyway. And um, hearing the brave voices of normal people like us uh, is, is the future, I believe. There are, however, still people out there who, I mean, maybe maybe wrongly, I'm assuming, that they won't believe it. Maybe this is a limiting belief for me. They won't believe it until they hear it on the mainstream media. Um, I think the tide is turning on that. A hundred percent. And we're seeing a little bit of stuff coming out now. If you can, it depends how you interpret the words and things like that. But I do think that it is coming out and I hundred percent agree that a lot of people only still tune into the mainstream. However, um, as we've seen with the um, the the audience slippage of the mainstream in America mm. and over to other mm. shows, um, you know, I do think that if we put ourselves out there rather than waiting, we are the future. Yeah. And it's funny, the word mainstream, because we've been talking here We on RCR, we started calling it legacy media um, because, you know, mainstream, we're kind of giving it too much because things have shifted. The, if you look at the numbers, they're not really the mainstream anymore. Anyway, um, you know, one of the things I also wanted to talk about is what does the future look like for media? I know you talk about truth media and I would like to think, you know, that all these other platforms, it's the same philosophy I've got in my business. And I call that co-opetition. You know, we're not trying to like elbow each other out of the way for the story. We all simply just want real dialogue, the actual truth to come out, whoever and however that happens. What do you think? Mm, yeah, I 100% agree. I love your word, co-opetition, co co rather than co competition. Yeah, it is, because yeah. I think competition is the old paradigm. Mm. Um, it's cutthroat out there, and it's all about who gets the big stories and who's the first at it. And we know also with the movement of, of uh, social media that that citizen journalism or just us being on the spot telling the story has shifted what the, ma the media used to be anyway, that we used to have to wait for the six o'clock news. Mm. Um, but around that not being competition, um, things like Reality Check Radio and Voice Media, I believe we have this amazing space now in, in our land where we can lead the way into this because it is about collaboration together. So RCR and Voice Media both are about having multiple channels. So you retain your autonomy within your channel, 
But I think it's all about the importance of the user experience. The user can tap in to one place and find the channels that resonate with them and follow those. And I think that that's really important now that we have a complete overwhelm. So if you mm. if you move away from the old legacy media and you move into the spaces that you and I spend time in, it's actually really overwhelming because there's so many different platforms and channels out there, Substacks and Telegram channels and Facebook groups and everything. You could sit all day consuming information yeah and I sort of I what what I want to envisage is going back to um actually just getting on with your life because being in the now moment is more important than consuming media and then maybe once a day going okay now I'm going to tap into my day and see what media do I want to consume for an hour and actually that's part of taking responsibility back of how we consume media because it has become all consuming so if we have platforms like RCR and voice media then within that within those two places if I could just go to those two places in a few months time and then I could switch everything else off my life would actually free itself up I think people being very empowered and intentional about what and where they receive their information so we're talking about communication today because it is so easy you know a few years ago just to scroll and see what pops up or see what YouTube serves you up or whatever but I think being intentional and I love what you're saying about being in the now moment and I was chatting to someone yesterday and and she's a future guest. We were just having a chat and she said the same thing. You know, she's really focusing on just being in her life and being present. And, um, you know, we're all going through these different phases. I actually, which was unusual for me, did a lot of consuming information and not a lot of broadcasting as such over the last three years. I was just learning, learning, learning. Mm -hmm feeling like, so I was prepared for when people had questions and I could not tell them the answers, but provide a bit of insight. Mm -hmm. And I know you said something earlier to me about this all leading up, this every, all the experience leading up to where you are now. Mm. Yeah. So I had an experience because I had quite a, a, a spontaneous awakening in August, 2021. And what I noticed in that moment was I, I kind of got to look at my life really quickly and go, wow, every connection that I've made and every skill that I've learned, every job that I've had is for this now moment. And I've talked to quite a few people who feel the same way. If you choose to see it like this, like nothing was an accident. Everything was part of your own plan for being here now in this significant time in history. And so for me, um, you know, my my past career was around marketing, communication, creating good relationships, connecting with people and, and yeah, sharing information. So looking at it also from the user or at, at one point for me, the learner's perspective, how do you communicate clearly with them? And so these skills I've, I'm bringing into the truth movement. And I think a lot of people out there feel the same, that their their career skills can now be turned to this bigger picture of where we're heading. I would love to hear from some of our listeners. You can text in 2057 or you can email if you want to inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, do you feel like everything in your life, like Penny has said, everything in your life has led you to this now moment? I mean, I felt the same way when I got invited to host the show. I was like, oh my God, this makes total sense. This is the last 11 years of me literally talking to hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. So we'd love to hear from you. Text in 25-7 if that resonates for you as well. Um, I've got a question. What is one issue or concern that you have at the moment, um, either on a, a small local, you know, New Zealand level or a, or a global level? 
Um, one thing is around, what, from my observation of things, everything is a microcosm of the macrocosm. And so as we're out there looking at all the different things that seem to be going mad right now and don't make sense or are going in a, in a horrifying direction, everything's a microcosm of the macrocosm. So it's uh, a mirror of where we're all at and our, our own selves. So we're a reflection we're a reflection of the world we see. So if we choose um, fear, hatred, anger, and despair, that is what we're going to be seeing in the world. And it's easy to see that for sure. But if we choose love, kindness, compassion, and grace, we're going to see that a lot more in the world. And I think that's a really important message, is that we start to change the world inside of ourselves and unpacking our old responses to things and our old patterns and and when things come up for us they're coming up now for a reason and that's for us to learn from it and if we do that on a granular level we actually we're actually shifting the consciousness that way and I know for me that's what a lot of the last three years has been for me and as I now have been able to articulate it better when I meet with people and I'm fortunate enough to travel around and meet a lot of amazing people in the truth movement the resonance that you find when you have these conversations, these deep soulful conversations about the real work, which is the inner work, they get it too and they're doing it too. And I just feel so excited when you can start showing up and having these, upping these brave conversations and people can feel lighter. We feel lighter when we realise that the work starts within. You know, part of my awakening was it's not your job to save the world. Mm. There's so much going on out there. I can't possibly save the whole thing but I can save me. And by saving me and talking to others like me, we are saving the world. I think that is going to, I'm hoping, be a massive turning point for some people. Because I wonder if some people kind of have their hands over their ears, like they don't want to know a bit more of this truth that we keep talking about, because it's so heavy and it's so dark. And I think it's like, well, you do need to be aware However, don't let it drag you down um, choose, like you said, the love and the, and the lightness and of focusing on yourself. And that's, it's not easy to do, but when you can see the shift, like, okay, for me, I've consumed a lot and I actually know a lot of things, but I, it doesn't actually drag me down. It, it, and I am focusing on myself while also kind of secretly trying to save the world, but not as much as I used to. Yeah, I think it's about learning to be the observer mm. on a lot of things, like to carry everything really heavily once you know the truth. is um, It could put you in despair, and I think a lot of people are feeling like that. Um, I think that if you can carry it lightly and be the observer and just really know what it is that you want to do about it, that's really important. I had a conversation with a friend last night who a couple of years ago was warning me really before I really saw how bad everything was because I was busy being a mum. You know, it's the whole distraction tool, right? I was so busy in my life. And then I had a friend from South Africa say to me, you know, this uh, hate speech law they're bringing in, this is actually free speech and you're about to lose it. And I know it because I've seen it in my own country. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of hearing you, but what can I do about it? And so I put my head in the sand because you sort of go, you, you sort of hear it buzzing in the air and you're like, but I'm just this mum, who am I? And it's not until you start to see that you just can't can't live ignoring what you know that you become an activist. Like once you feel so passionate about something, you, you have to become an activist or you just choose to put the earmuffs on and put your head back down. 
And so we find those things and realize, and I think the balance for our mental health is knowing that we can't save the whole world. We can understand what the one piece of the jigsaw puzzle is that we're here to do. Yeah. And we can commit ourselves to that. I love that. I think that'll help people also have what I call a shoulder drop moment. Like, oh, good. I don't have to become, because when you say activist, for some people, they're like, well, wait, hang on a second. Like, I didn't sign up for, you know, standing on the road with a sign. So I always really want to highlight people will do things in their own way. And um, some people will, you know, post on Facebook. Some people won't. Some people will stand on the side of the road. Some people won't. Do it in your own way. Um, and everything makes a difference. Mm. The puzzle piece. Yeah, I I, um, I was reading a book by Glennon Doyle at the time and that was when the word activist came up and I was quite like horrified by it because I was exactly that. I was like, well, I'm not an activist. I'm not one of those people that's out there raging against politics or anything. But really what she said was when you believe in something so much, you can't not become. And so it changed what that word was for me. And the other thing that I read in that book that's really come back and hit me hard at the moment is a quote from Desmond Tutu, which is there comes a point at which you stop pulling people out of the river and you head upstream and you figure out why they fell in. And I think that's really important for now is actually, you know, it's like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff thing. It's it's so bad now that we have to just go back to actually doing our work. And our, what I mean by that is our research and actually figuring out what the what the core is that's what created the now rather than just keep sticking band-aids on Mm. the word activist is interesting it made me think of i don't know if anyone else listening has done the clifton strength finder like your your top five strengths and uh, mine is like strategy futuristic communication actually is in there but activator is one word and i feel like ooh, maybe activator feels not as aggressive yeah. as activist. Yeah. So if people want to take that on, they can, you know, oh, I'm an activator. Like I make things happen, mm-hmm. you know, just by sparking a conversation or asking a question or posting something on Instagram or whatever their way mm-hmm. is. Um, I think we can all be activators. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we are slowly shifting the consciousness. Like I said, um, mm-hmm. interestingly at the moment, I'm pretty sure we're coming to the end of like a Mer- Mercury retrograde in the astrology. And um, I know the energies are really interesting at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed that I had some friends on the weekend say that they felt so exhausted or um, just a lot. It's bringing up a lot of old traumas and dramas for people. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is don't let those things that are coming up, drag you down go back to what you talked about is process them, do the work, be in the light, be in the love mm. and be empowered by that. And and then we can. And also rest change. if you need to. Yes. You know, I think that's a really big one when you're used to being a go-getter. And I know that you and I both are, it's really hard to accept that resting is also part of the process. And sometimes actually switch. I had a weekend where I just switched everything off. I switched my laptop off. I switched my phone off and I just um, withdrew in a healthy way and I tell you what the first day was really really tough because I'm used to being switched on all the time and consuming and sharing information all the time so that's a really good thing to do is just switch everything off go into the bush go to the beach you know have a long bath read a book because that's what we used to do I we love that stuff I have like two hot, two or three hot baths every week I actually had a nap on the weekend yeah, so good. I hear what you're saying yeah so good um in New Zealand what is what is it one issue? I mean, is there anything topical at the moment that you're focusing on or that you wish people were aware of? So at the moment, uh, I just shared recently on my voice media channel, uh, Shaw's Bird Park in Hamilton is um, is just one example of, of council and government overreach. Now, it's a situation that's been going on for a while. 
and um, and if you go to my channel you can see what's going on and actually just as I got here this morning I got a message from some of the friends of Shaw's Bird Park saying that um, the authorities had turned up there this morning and were actually um, impounding the birds there so the native birds I had one of the ruru on my arm a couple of days ago and um, yeah so this is a situation where it's private land and the council are putting a big road through it and not with the owner's consent so they're chopping down native trees and they're removing the livelihoods of the people and also the flora and fauna that's there and there's so much going on right now and it's really easy for people to put their head in the sand but if people can realize that not only is this affecting good people it could be us uh, the cost of what the council are doing will be passed on to the ratepayers and the ratepayers in that city will be paying through the nose for a very expensive project that needn't have gone that way for a really long time. And so, yeah, while there is overwhelm, it's important to remember at a grassroots what's really going on down the road and caring for our, caring for our communities and caring for our people for whom this government overreach is really hurting them. Yeah, because sometimes if we're too busy or we just aren't told about things, bills can get passed and things can happen when we have no idea and therefore no no control over it. And actually that comes back to the communication side of everything is overwhelming and it's really easy to miss stuff. Yeah. And so as as organizations like Voice Media and RCR are popping up now, um, it's going to make it easier in the long term for people to consume information and find the stuff that's really important, find the headlines. Mm. Because I'll tell you right now, they won't be on the mainstream. I, I actually was, I don't watch the mainstream. Yeah, you won't but it hear was, that story. It was yeah. on last night mm -hmm. uh, and where I was staying. And for the first 20 minutes, it was literally just talking about the rain last night. But it wasn't because hundreds of people had died. It was because people were late home and their window wipers were on fast. And even the people I was with who were watching it were laughing at how ridiculous that this is, that it's the mainstream. So people who are tuned into the mainstream are actually missing what's really going on with people as well as, um, yeah, there's just an overwhelm of information so we need to simplify down the way that we can consume information so that when information is out that it's important that people can find it yeah yeah big challenge something else that i know you and i are both concerned about i'm going to be doing an upcoming episode on keeping kids safe my um my kids friends call me safety net because they know i'm 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 really obsessed with being safe um so i'm going to talk a little bit about that in an upcoming episode but i want to you mentioned something to me earlier about um a game that you'd seen that was Mm, not good yeah so I um I have a concern around the addiction that kids have uh, not just kids but people have to phones and devices but also computer games and what I see now more and more and I see it when I'm walking around my town in the evening is that kids are just shut away in their rooms on their own and they're gaming for hours and it's really convenient for busy parents because they're being entertained but I see it as outsourcing your responsibility as a parent. Like, what are they doing? And the fortnight conversation a few years ago was tough enough. Um, and parents have to choose whether they care enough about their kids to know what their kids are consuming. And so yesterday I just opened a YouTube and the ad that popped up at the start for a few seconds was a, a new version of this game called Diablo, Diablo 4. And I'd never heard of it. I'm not a gamer. My kids were not gamers. We weren't in that space. My kids were highly frustrated that their friends were gamers and they couldn't communicate with them and all they wanted to do was game. So my kids were square pegs and round holes in that space too. Diablo 4 um, looked wholly demonic. Mm. and um, I took some screenshots of it and sent it to a friend in the know and I was like what do we do about this what do we do about 
helping parents to see what their kids are actually consuming. And so I'll be writing up a piece about that. But if you're a parent out there and your kids are on their phones a lot and you don't know what they're looking at, or if they're on their computer games a lot and behind a closed door and you don't know, I just really encourage parents to have those brave conversations with your kids and actually ask them to show you. I just thought back then, my mum, when I was 16, was um, really really concerned about music I was listening to mm-hmm. and she stopped she wanted to stop right going to so. yeah and it's funny the but I, I remember being 16 and mm-hmm. I remember being yeah I had the odd it was a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert and I knew that I had the album with the you know parental advisory explicit lyrics and she had me on about it and at the time it was horrific for me well it's taken me till now to realize that she was right all along and she was actually doing it because she loved me mm-hmm. And it didn't make her popular and it didn't make me popular as a mum of having rules around time spent on phones. Don't put your phones in your room when you go to sleep. All of those things. Buy your kids an alarm clock so that they don't have the excuse of the phone is my alarm clock. Like actually, we as parents outsource so much. Because I'm also concerned about the EMFs with the phone beside their brain all night. 100%. And earbuds, especially the Bluetooth earbuds. Like, do your homework on that. There's so many teenage kids out there that just live with earbuds in their yeah. phones. Like, there's so many things. And it is overwhelming. But if, and I've I've challenged a friend to this recently around childhood vaccinations. If you're spending your time online consuming information, what's the most important thing to you? Consume information relating to that. Mm-hmm. Another friend of mine, she was challenging her boss around all the vaccine mandates. And he just mandated And she said to him, and I think this is really profound, you would spend more time researching your next new car Mm -hmm. than what you're putting into your child's body. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that make sense? Isn't your child your most important thing? I heard somebody say um, most people are more concerned about the ingredients in their marinade for their meat than they are about the ingredients in the the vax. Yeah, 100%. Because they outsource the responsibility. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, well, I've been told and everyone's doing it. And we did, right? Like I, I was one of those. Many, many, many of us are. There's, there's a lot of people that did their homework right from the get-go around childhood vaccinations. I didn't, you know, and I just trusted my Plunkett nurse and I trusted the health system. Yeah. And it wasn't until my kids were a little bit older and I started meeting friends who hadn't, and they were very quiet about it because they were ostracized back then. And now it's 10 times worse, 100 times worse with what's going on literally this week at Albany High School and this so-called measles outbreak and what they're trying to do. But I had to admit to myself that the reason that I did it was because I trusted the government and I was busy and it was easy for me to trust. And if I had my time again, I would be spending all my spare hours doing work on that. I wouldn't be watching TV and movies. I would be researching for the sake of my kids' health. Researching rather than the distractions. So thank you for sharing that. We've covered quite a few things, which I'm loving. So for the listeners, if you want to text in, if you've got questions that you want me to ask our upcoming guests about keeping kids safe, 2057 on the text. Um, Penny, I'm coming up to some of my usual questions that I ask all my guests. So um, what is one thing that you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Oh, actually, that's an easy one. Um, I got a caravan and I traveled around the country on my own. And that was the first time that I did that. I took it from the Waikato all the way down to the west coast of the South Island, like within about three days. And I traveled around and I'm quite a structured person. And I, for the first time, had no plan. I just had some people that I'd met online, like how I'd met you. And I wanted to meet them face to face. (laughs) And it changed my life. I totally upped my brave. I had my dark night of the soul. I had my couple of days where I was feeling really down and going, what am I crazy? 
what am I doing? And I was like, no, this is actually the life I wanted to live. I wanted to live like a free spirit. And for the first time in my life, I'm brave enough to try it and do something every day that scares you and you grow so much. I love it. You're never too old. The lady I spoke to yesterday did the same thing. Her and her son, they took like three months and they traveled <laughs> around. I'm sure there's so many people listening that have done something similar or that want to, yeah. but they're like, oh, but I can't because X, Y, Z, insert many reasons. If you feel the need to do it, just, I call it jumping off the cliff yeah. and trusting your wings to carry you. And, tr and they do. So cool. Um, my next question is bucket list. So yeah, it, what is one thing that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that maybe the RCR community can help with? Yeah, I find this a really hard one. I was chatting to you earlier about this. I used to be a real goal setter and I had my five-year goals. I think with what's happened in the world in the last three years, I haven't thought about it because the world is changing so quickly. So if there was one thing, really, what I'm finding is someone who's come out of my career and I don't want to put energy back into career-like work in the sense of helping line someone else's pocket, if you like. Like I want to be putting, I want to be using my energy for something that I am so passionate about and believe in, which is why I've stayed in the truther movement. It doesn't pay well. And so the people who are in here are, are very tired burnt out and poor because mm. a lot of them have had to come away from their career jobs for me it was a choice uh and now what my challenge is for me is to learn how to stand on my own two feet financially and amongst working in my passion areas so that's why so voice media uh and I'm doing another couple of things like creating a little agency for communication and marketing to help people who are getting their own things up and running whether it's their health modalities or their cottage industry businesses uh, that we can help them with their marketing and branding in an affordable way so I'm looking at multiple ways mm -hmm. to be able to finance myself so that I'm not a burden on other people that have been supporting me really well over the last couple of years so Ooh. that's really a goal and it's and I want to do it kind of unstructured and working out of my passion but using all my skills as well yeah, you got to be in your zone of genius doing what you love. And so there you go. If you have, if anyone out there is starting up a new project or a business and you want help with marketing, you can get in touch with Penny. Actually, my next question is, what is coming up for you and how can people connect or contact you? Yeah, so the easiest way to connect with me is to jump on Voice Media, which is voicemedia.nz. And I have a channel on there called Pendulum, which is a play on my name. So it's all about the pendulum swinging back to the truth and all things including the media so if you subscribe so uh voice media is a subscription channel so we have a couple of articles that are available for free and you can get the emails for free but it's actually subscription because like with anything if we in the truth the movement want things to succeed we have to commit to it because it isn't being paid for by the big guys so it's not much it's 15 dollars a month or 120 dollars a year so once you're a subscribed member you can follow my channel on there and you can contact me from there Nice. Mm. Sounds good. Um, okay. Well, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you would like love to ask or share with our audience? I think just a reminder that uh, everything is the microcosm or the macrocosm. So just be encouraged to know that when the burdens feel too big, it's okay to just focus on yourself and love yourself and give yourself grace and do your inner work and shine your light and as you do that really does shift the consciousness because other people see it we need the light and the darkness right now and as we heal ourselves we actually heal the world
Ooh, I love all that. <laughs> That's so good. And as much as we can, living, as you said, in the now moment. Mm, it's a big one. It's a big one. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Penny, for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Penny Claridge. Um, she's so amazing. You can find Penny at penny at voicemedia.nz. She's independent, honest, investigative journalism. And I love how Penny is all about truth and freedom and excitement and hope. And after we recorded, she, we were talking a little more about, you know, sometimes we get a bit concerned, right, about a lot of the movies and the TV shows that are available um, out there for our kids and for us to just stumble upon or, or consume. And we really need to be aware, Penny said, at what, of what we're seeding into the consciousness. And I really like how she focused on if we can seed in those positive things then um, and communicate those positive things, then that can shift everything as well. So we'll be diving a little bit more into that um, in the episode I'm doing in the future on keeping kids safe. Um, again, if you've got any particular topics you want to request, definitely get in touch with me. You can text um, 2057 and, and make suggestions. Also, if you've got someone awesome that you think I should interview or chat with, by all means, get in touch. So um, speaking of amazing people, I'm just doing a little special shout out here for my friend, Sarah. She is a friend that I've known in the business world for many, many years. I think I interviewed her on my Up Your Brave series, video series that I did many, many years ago. And um, she's actually going through a very tough time with her husband being mandated and then being diagnosed with very aggressive cancer. So um, I wanted to do a little shout out for her. And hey, if anyone feels called, she does have a, uh, a give a little page. She's got a mission. So um, this is important to her. So I'm just going to play this out for you guys. Here we go. Hey, Nat, Sarah here. I know you're focusing on the power of communication this week, and I wanted to up my brave and share with your audience about my personal situation in case anyone out there feels called to help. Um, so we live in Christchurch and for the past almost five months, um, we've been going through a really tough time. Uh, my partner who is just 36 has been diagnosed with stage four bowel cancer, um, which has spread to his peritoneum. We have two young kids who are two and four. Um, and, Unfortunately, uh, he's got as far as he can go with the medical system. They won't do any surgery because the cancer has spread too much. Um, and unfortunately, he's had to have some other surgeries due to blockages and things like that, which have left him quite weak. Um, and he's not able to have any chemo or radiation either. Um, so they have given him a time frame of three months to live. And as you can imagine, with two young kids and how young he is, I'm not willing to give up on him. I'm not willing to just let him die. Um, so I am trying my absolute best as a desperate mama and a desperate partner to raise $90,000 to get him to an alternative holistic treatment center for cancer, um, which is in Mexico. So as you can imagine, um, any alternative medicine is not funded whatsoever it's not offered um so i have to do all the research myself and raise all the money myself so if anyone feels called to support us um you can find the link below uh to our give a little which is a bit more about our story so far 
some pictures of our little family and a link to donate. And please also share that with your communities as well. The more eyes we get on our story, the more help we can get and the sooner we can get down the treatment that could well save his life. Thank you so much um, for allowing me to share my story. Uh, and thank you to anyone who, you know, feels called to share and donate and help and support us in any kind of way. Much love, Sarah. Well, I mean, it's tragic, isn't it? It really is. And I really feel for her with a young family in Christchurch. As you probably know, we used to live in Christchurch. Um, and I know the thing is, I know it's not uncommon that a lot of people across New Zealand and world worldwide are getting diagnoses that are just so traumatic. And so I really wanted to send love to anyone that's going through any sort of heartbreak like that. And I really admire Sarah for, well, not just fighting like a mama lion, but for for asking for help and having the courage to um, to connect with me. And so I just wanted to put that out there um, for people. And if you feel called, then by all means, you can check it out um, on her page, which is uh, on Give a Little. And you can you can find that it's, um, let me find it for you, Give a Little um, Brummy Dan's Cancer Support. So you can look at that. Um, and I guess that's my message, really. I just wanted to, coming back to the topic of communication, you know, sometimes people don't ask for help and and then they just feel like they have to just put on a brave face and carry on or they just can't take the darkness of the world and that's not what we want we want people to be able to seek help seek support and obviously to support others um and so if that's a message that you can take away from today i hope you i hope you do so uh in summary you know from today and also all the rest of our episodes in fact uh, there's a great one where i interviewed bruce, bruce lipton um, and the topic for that one, you know, he does, he also talks about cancer and he talks a lot about um, mindset and the connection with cancer. I also interviewed John Coombs on the series um, about empowered wellness. We did a whole week on that as well. So if you want to go check those out as well, those are incredible episodes. You can get empowered with your own wellness and of course, get empowered, hopefully with your communication today. So remember, uh, look after yourselves. Remember the power of communication, the power of your words, Irma sh shared with us. And if you just tuned in recently and you missed the first interview where Irma talked about compassionate communication and nonviolent communication, definitely go and listen to the replay if you missed that. We also had Gemma Celeste and then we wrapped things up with Penny. Um, and just remember that sometimes upping your brave looks like speaking out. It looks like speaking your truth or asking critical questions and other times upping your brave looks like asking for help or maybe even taking time for yourself to just process and just be and be in the now moment. So if those are some messages that you can take away from today, then that's amazing as well. Have an incredible weekend and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR. Reality Check Radio.